across the UK, online and on DAB. Talk Radio. For those about to talk, we salute you. Talk Radio. I feel I always have to tell you when it's live me and not pre-recorded me. It's live me and not pre-recorded me. Uh, Busy show tonight. We're going to start off with Film Ring. I'm Ian Lee. This is Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Well, I'm not the kind to kiss and tell, but I've been seen with fair up. I've never been with anything less than a nine. So fine. I've been on fire with Sally Field, gone fast with a girl named Bo. But somehow they just don't end up as mine. It's a death-defying life I lead I take my chances I die for living in the movies and TV But the hardest thing I ever do Is watch my leading ladies Kiss some other guy while I'm bandaging my knee I might fall from a tall building I've never spent much time in school But I told ladies plenty It's true I hire my body out for pay Hey, hey I've gotten burned over Cheryl Teague's Blown up for Rocky Welch But when I wind up in the hay It's only hay an open drawbridge or Tarzan from a vine Cause I'm the unknown stuntman that makes Eastwood look so fine Hello dear listener, good evening, this is live You had, you had two best of last, bests, hang on, <coughs> I've not been here for a while you had two best ofs uh, last week. One because I had a car crash. Yabu sucks. More on that later. And one because I had the night off to go and see the bare naked ladies. This is live. It's Monday. It's four minutes past ten in the evening. Welcome. Um, first hour of the show tonight is um, going to be the thing we do occasionally from time to time. It's going to be film ring. And last week, you know what? For, for those who don't know, because we're getting loads of new listeners all the time. A brief backstory. Film ring is where uh, it came about where I will be watching some obscure documentary either on YouTube or Netflix or online or I'll have bought a DVD or something and the film has such the film makes me tingle and that's kind of the best way to describe it I don't mean in that way I don't mean in a mucky way um it just it excites me in some way, um, and we've had some pretty good films. We had uh, The Imposter, um, we had Kung Fu Elliot, that's how we discovered Kung Fu Elliot, but both completely, completely different films. And um, we really only do it irregularly, and it's when I'm watching a film and I get that tingle. I get that, just, it's just a feeling in the back of my neck where I go, oh, this is something, um, this is something different. This is something a little bit special. And I had that last week when I was flicking through Netflix, as you do. And it's it's such a joy when you go onto Netflix, you go, oh, they've added new stuff. Because right? a lot of stuff on Netflix is rubbish. But they've added new stuff. And I was flicking through bits and pieces and starting films and getting nowhere. And then I stumbled on this documentary called Who 
took Johnny. And if I'm completely honest, I, when I saw the, the intro, I thought, ah, I don't know if I'm going to like this. I'll give it five minutes. And boy, oh boy, I'm glad I gave it five minutes because it is um, the most, it's just the most fantastical, incredible story. I'm going to assume, dear listener, that you've seen it, as I've been talking about it all last week and it was kind of your homework. So there will be spoilers. So if you've not seen it yet and you're still keen to see it, Maybe switch off for now, because we'll put this out as a podcast as well, okay? But maybe switch off until about 11, because we're going to talk freely and openly about it. There are many twists. There are many turns in it. Um, And, um, you know, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about it as though you've seen it. I also gave the warning to proceed with caution, because it's grim. It is grim. And it's not grim... The reason I was cool with it is because it's not grim in a sensationalist way. It's not, hey, look at this, it's a really grim story. It's not at all. It it treads a really fine line. Um, But it is grim. And I I know that um, some of you who may be victims of child abuse or may not be able to stomach stories that involve child abuse, um, that film may not be for you. So if you've not watched it because of that, that's all cool. But we're going to talk about it. If you've got any thoughts or feelings about the films, uh, about the film, give us a call. We will call you back. 0844 499 1000. 0844 499 1000. And even if you want to phone up and say, I didn't like the film, I thought it sucked. That's all great. It's all great. With Film Ring, kind of anything goes. Uh, and what we try and do is we try and get people um, connected with the film to come on and talk about it. I'm really thrilled. I'm not sure how this will work because our equipment is from the 1980s here in this studio, but we'll see how it goes. We have got the the, uh, the directors of the movie. We've got um, David. Is it David? How do I pronounce your last name, David? Balenson. David Balenson. I was going to go for that and I, I hesitated. We've got David Balenson, Suki Hawley and Michael Galinsky on the lines. Good evening, everybody. Hello. Now, I'm just going to warn you, Michael, because of the way this this studio is built out of Lego, Michael and Suki, you are on the same line. So if one of you talks, if the other one holds back, we'll get there. We'll work our way around it. But thank you very much for joining us. You're all in New York. Is that right, David? Uh, I'm in New York, and Michael and Suzuki are in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Okay, fantastic. Listen, let's get straight into it. Uh, it, it is an incredible film. Thank you so much for making it. Um, uh, w- 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 let's start with you first, Suki. How, why? Why this film? How did how did this story come into your world? It was a story that actually we had made a film called Horns and Halos in 2002, um, and we were showing it at a screening, and someone came up to us afterwards. It was a story about um, a discredited biography of George W. Bush and all of the, the scandals that that entailed, and someone came up to us after that screening and said, well, if you think that's a story, then I've got a story for you that's even darker. And he proceeded to talk to us about a story of uh, child. Uh, abductions and child pornography and human trafficking and all this stuff that was happening in Omaha, Nebraska, and that he was looking into. So it was something that we listened to, but we weren't sure it was was something we wanted to pursue. Um, And eventually uh, we found this side story about the Johnny Gosh 
uh, disappearance. He was a Johnny Gosh was a, a newspaper carrier who was abducted in 1982, and he eventually became one of the first kids on the side of a milk carton here in the United States. Um, and that's a big that thing. That's a big thing, isn't it, Suki? Or it was certainly in the states where if kids went missing, uh, they would put yeah. a picture on the side of a milk carton saying, "Have you seen this kid?" Was Johnny Gosh? He was one of the first, wasn't he? He was, yeah. He, you know, it, it happened in Des Moines, Iowa, which is dairy country. And um, actually, when a second kid in the same neighborhood went missing, that was when the the head of the dairy, who was connected to that boy's father, said, "Hey, I think maybe we could actually raise some awareness by putting these pictures on the side of milk cartons." And I, eventually, it went out nationwide. Is it? A th- and we'll get into the kind of the details of the story in a minute. But but, but Michael. Is- was the Johnny Gosh disappearance, was that, I get the impression from watching the film, it was actually quite a famous story in the States anyway, or, 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 or and here's a horrible sentence, kids disappearing, is, is that not really that big a deal over there? Well, it was. So I think when it first happened, um, it was more of a local story. But then America's Most Wanted started and they picked it up and made it a much bigger national story. And it took a few years before he ended up on a milk carton when mm. another paper boy was taken. But that kind of issue, uh, it, it made it huge. It made it a big story. Everyone who is my age, I mean, I'm the same age as Johnny, that's something we grew up with when we were in our teens. And if you were younger, you grew up looking at a kid uh, on the back of a milk carton as you ate your breakfast. And it was all kind of terrifying for kids. David, it's an incredible story. Here's, I'm glad Netflix doesn't really give much of a clue as to exactly what it's about. When I started watching it, David, I, and you start off with um, Noreen Gosh, Johnny's mother, and it's, I mean, wow, what a woman she is. Um, but you, I, in my head, I already had the story that, that this kid had gone missing 30-odd years ago and that his mum was convinced that he'd been um, kidnapped, but, you know, it would pan out quite obviously that he'd been murdered you know, that, that she was kind of clinging on to a fantasy. But as the story develops, David, it is... I mean, I'm getting, I'm getting my heart's beating now, think about it. It is the most remarkable story. When someone... When Suki mentioned that, that, that someone told you about the Johnny Gosh story, did you buy into it straight away? You know, tales of, of VIP paedophile rings and kids being sold. Did you buy into it? Or did you kind of think, this guy's a conspiracy nut? No, not at all. In fact, it took us a while to sort of dig into the material and kind of get a handle on exactly what everything was about. Mm. Um, because, you know, for us as filmmakers, you know, we're not journalists, and we sort of look at stories the way a narrative filmmaker would. Like, who are the characters? Where's the protagonist? Where's this going? And originally, the, the idea is, okay, it's a mother looking for her son. That's kind of something that everybody can kind of wrap their heads around. But as you kind of dig into the story and you dig into the lore, there's a sort of cache of conspiracy theories and ideas surrounding the story that could sort of lead you down this rabbit hole. And for us, it was just as important to kind of separate the things that, you know, you kind of couldn't prove or seem to sort of outlandish with the things that there was some sort of visual evidence Mm. and some corroboration among other people to sort of get behind. 
David, and, give me... Yeah, it sort of blew us away. Just give us... And we're going to talk freely, so spo- I say again, spoiler alerts, guys. If you're going to watch it, then switch okay. off and come and get the... You know, we'll put this out as a podcast, because I'm going to... We've been talking about it a lot on the show, David. I'm going to assume that the, the people are listening because they've seen the film. Um, just give us just give us kind of the beginning of the, of, of, of the story. So it's 1982. Johnny Gosh is, what is he, 14, 15 years old? He's 12. It's 12, sorry. Um, that, this is also another thing that doesn't exist anymore, which is parents would let their kids um, at 10, 11, 12 years old go out at 5 in the morning in the mm. neighborhood and deliver newspapers. Mm. For many people, that's their first job. Um, it was the way the newspaper you know, sort of carrier system worked. Um, he's in West Des Moines, Iowa, which is sort of the heartland of America, um, sort of, you know, apple pie and sort of, you know, good old country. And he goes out one morning. It's the first morning that he goes out alone without his father or parents sort of guiding him. And about an hour after he leaves, um, the gosh, start getting phone, the phone starts ringing and they start getting phone calls from neighbors saying, where's their newspaper? Why is their newspaper delivered? So they immediately knew something must have happened. Um, Johnny's uh, dog, who always went out with him, had walked home. They went to the corner where he, you know, not far from where he lived, where he would put the papers together, and they found this sort of red wagon um, that he would take with him with the newspaper sitting in there. And the parents freaked out, immediately knew something was wrong, called the police. Um, And the police were slow. Um, at the beginning, but a bunch of other paper carriers who were there that morning, as well as a father, had witnessed some strange men talking to Johnny that morning, um, and then nobody saw him again. Suki, the thing that just got me there, that got, gave me the shivers again, was um, the, the yeah. fact that it was the, fir- the, the he'd done that paper round before, but that was the first time he'd gone on his own without his dad. Right. He was actually quite young, I think, yeah. as a paper carrier. His his brother had done it before him, and so he was looking up to that and wanting to do it. But his mother had always said, you can't do it, you're too young. And I think they negotiate, you know, Johnny in his, in his will was just like, he negotiated with his mother, well, yeah, but what if Dad came with me every time? And I think it was every time that Johnny went, his dad was with him except this one time. And, uh, and of course, you know, I'm, what guilt that, that his father could carry with him is, you know, unimaginable. Oh, but, yeah. And the police, uh, the, the, one of the threads throughout this, and again, later on in the film, it takes on perhaps a different significance. But the police were, um, they were crap, weren't they? I mean, they really just thought it was a kid running away and, and never really changed their opinion, did they, Suki? Right. They never did. And I mean, that's what's interesting is we actually interviewed the uh, a reporter from the Des Moines Register, which was the paper in, in town. And he, of course, he he understood why the police were so skeptical at first that this, as he says in the film, you know, this hadn't this was something that was unthinkable. It wasn't something that happened every day. People let their kids run around all the time after hours, after dark. Um, kids were just kids and they got to play. And uh, so it wasn't something that was on their on on the radar as um, as a thing that happened to young kids until this happened, and then further other paper carriers were then abducted, and and that's what started the culture to shift to much more protective of ki- of children. Um, but so, but this Des Moines Register reporter does change his opinion mm. of as the story goes, yes, he does believe that something nefarious happened, whereas the Des Moines police have not changed their tune. Michael, what I thought was was an incredible technique in the film, but was also chilling and cold, was that timeline. 
that timeline that comes. Mm-hmm. I've got two kids. I mean, they're six and four. But that, the, uh, and we're used to things happening two years ago, five years ago. Too. But that timeline, when you think that is that is a twelve-year-old boy that he's missing, and you suddenly you jump forward two or three years, and very little has, mm-hmm. has, has happened. That's an incredible way of telling the story. Yeah, that's that's all, David. And and I think he, he did that really incredible. But the other really amazing thing he did graphically with a similar thing was to do an overhead of the scene and then we actually had that newspaper reporter read the police report because the police report the police said there was no crime but if you read the police report and you see all the evidence of what happened there's no doubt that something happened when you put together all the different pieces that the different people said it paints a very clear picture of somebody stopping him checking him out and then checking somebody else out then coming back, and when they describe it that way, and someone comes out through the woods, and then all of a sudden he's gone, you can see that he's abducted. You know? But they, they still yeah. remain, to this day, saying he's just missing. Um, um, listen, this is uh, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We're, we're, it's film ring. We're talking about who took Johnny. I've got David Balinson, Suki Hawley, and Michael Galinsky, who, who made the film. Um, uh, the, the, Michael, the, 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 the police officer in charge of the investigation, who later gets done for corruption and being bent anyway, he's an incredible man because... Um, the mum, Noreen, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, what a woman, jeez. Um, but, you know, she's obviously, she wants the police to do stuff. The, the police chief in charge ends up kind of being really rude about her in the press and saying she's an annoying woman, she keeps sticking her nose in, I wish she'd back off. It's an amazing response from, from a police chief, isn't it? it, it it's kind of unbelievable, even yeah. even then. Yeah. And, and he shortly after that, he lost his, his job, and the police department was shaken up. But he, he was the chief, and, he, you know, it, that, that shows kind of where things were at was in terms of even listening to her or even trusting that she had something to say. And, and I think that's actually one of the, the biggest themes of the film is it's about a woman who's fighting for what she believes in against incredible odds, where she's not – doing exactly what's expected of a nice midwestern woman <laughs> she's standing up to power yeah and she's you know they tried to yeah. destroy her because of it they did they, they did david they they dragged her through the press they they and shame on them for doing that they made what was what was noreen like david when you approached her and said look we want to make a film about this what what what, what was she like uh well she's a very at this point she's a very calm sort of measured person um needless to say anybody who sort of goes through the ordeal um, that you go through, um, I think they take on sort of different tones. I, I think if you've seen the film and you see that there's the other family, coincidentally, who went through an abduction when you were filming, that mm. sort of the film kind of bookends itself with mm. a modern day abduction in her hometown where she sort of acts as an advocate for them. I think you see that family, um, they're sort of catatonic throughout the whole ordeal because obviously it's, it's, it's an incredible ordeal. And Maureen, through her own sort of innate persona is a very strong-willed person and so she throughout all of this and through everything she's experienced takes on a much more measured tone these days because of everything she's sort of seen and heard and i think that it sort of instills like a quiet confidence you know it's it's hard you talk to her and think to yourself god i you know talking to her i could never imagine going through it but she kind of made us feel at ease with being able to tell the story um and sort of do it justice because um, she's such a strong-willed, sort of confident person. 0844 499 if anyone wants to take part. And we're getting some questions on Twitter and on the text and stuff. I'll get to those in a bit. Um, the story jumps forward a bit when the second newspaper boy 
goes missing a couple of years later, a few years later. And that's when it becomes apparent that actually, you know, this ain't a kid that's just run off. There is there is something going on. And then we get, how long after that do we get the um, the incredible character, and I use that word advisedly, Paul Bonacci. Paul Bonacci, Paul, Paul Bonacci, it's pronounced different ways in the film. When does Bonazzi. he... Bonazzi. Bonazzi. Yeah. Okay, thank you, because I, I, I knew I'd get it wrong. When does he crop up in, in the film, Suki? Because he really is... I mean, that's, he's pivotal, isn't he, to the story? He really is, and he's actually pivotal to the film as well, because, you know, Noreen... I, I want to say that the film is attempts to tell the story that Noreen has put forward for many years and to tell the story through Noreen's perspective. And that was always our intent. Um, as you alluded to at the time, she was looked on as somewhat of an overpowering, maybe kind of a kook, a kooky mom yeah. who, you know, believed all of these things maybe have happened to her kid, but how could we believe that? You know, the police chief was poo-pooing her in the paper. And, uh, you know, that was sort of the, the tone that people took when they looked at Noreen. And we just thought it would be really interesting to per, to show the, her perspective of this story. Um, you know, take it or leave it. This is what this this is what she has come up with after years and years of relentless research, where no other law enforcement has actually done the research. Um, and so, after there were three abductions in in a, not very uh, long a time, there was. Um, a third kid in 1986, Mark Allen, and then it was in 1991 that Paul Benassi came forward, and he actually said that he helped abduct Johnny Gosh. And his, when he appears in the film, it's a real, again, I mean, this film, if you've not seen it, it's on Netflix, it, it takes so many twists and turns. When, when he popped up, I thought, all right, here we go, here's our MacGuffin, here's our red herring, because the stories he tells are so fantastical, Suki, and so out there you think well this guy is um he's obviously a fantasist um and he's talking about how he helped kidnapped uh, kidnap um johnny how he was sexually abused by this 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 pedophile ring um and how he part of his job was to secure boys that would be kind of traded or sold or whatever was going on with this with this pedophile ring it 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 it, it it really is a fantastic story. And for me as a viewer, it wasn't... Yes. I, I didn't believe a word he said until until you right. as the filmmakers very care, carefully and cleverly started following up the evidence. I mean, the scene where he goes to the house and there's the basement right. under the house where boys were hidden and they've carved right. their initials into the, into the wall. What, what was that like, filming that? Right. Well, that, that actually is from footage from America's Most Wanted. Right, OK. And, um, and in fact, we are we're filming the the interview with the executive producer of that show, who to this day, even though he worked for many years on the most chilling of of crimes stories, he says this is the one that still haunts him to mm. this day, um, because of these things that Paul Benassi says that seem completely out. Landish, and yet he will always come back and provide some sort of evidence that some little piece of evidence that corroborates his story, and that that's what brought Noreen around to his side of the story. Even though she did not want to meet him, she heard that he had something to do with her son's abduction, and she was terrified to even step inside a room with him. But finally, brought herself to it because she knew she needed to find out the information. And when she did sit down with him. She there were just so many pieces that he corroborated for her that she said it was like a puzzle coming together and it finally made sense. 
that scene where she goes goes and meets him and uh, she sits down and the yeah. the police officer says, do you know who this is? He goes, no. He goes, well, this is Johnny's mum. <sighs> I mean, flipping yeah. heck. Michael, yeah. that is, that's that's an amazing yeah. piece of footage, isn't it? What, and again, it shows the, the strength of that woman. Right. And, and I think one thing that's really interesting and why we really, we, we work to put it in there is even before um, Johnny went missing, Noreen was a yoga teacher 40 years ago. Mm. And so she had this kind of sense of, you know, mindfulness and calmness and being centered. And one of the things that, um, that Paul Benassi brought up was that Johnny had taught him how to kind of meditate while they were in captivity. He said his mom had taught him this kind of thing to breathe and calm down because Johnny was kind of a nervous kid at times. So his mom had kind of given him tools to deal with stressful situations. And the fact that he knew that about his mother, that's not something he was going to look up in the newspaper or someone was going to tell him. It wasn't a con man thing he was going to pull. It was like only someone who had talked to Johnny yeah. would know that. No one knew it. You know? And, and who would know? Because it's not like something that was widely reported. And he, he was, it's not like he was going to do research on her because he was that kind of con man. And he talks about um, b- birthmarks and marks on, on Johnny's body. And here's the thing, Michael, watching this as a human being, as a dad, as just a person, <laughs> the police didn't go and talk to him. He, he's, he comes in with no. all of this evidence and all this stuff saying, yeah, I met Johnny Gosh, I kidnapped him, I can identify birthmarks and la la The police... And there's, I mean, it's, it's, it's laughable. It's so outrageous. It's laughable. It's, there's, there's footage of the police at the time going, we'll, we'll talk to him if and when we, we feel it's appropriate. And they don't! Right. That's they not, said we've yeah, been told he's not so- credible. Yeah. Well, was that David? You wanted to say something? Go ahead, David. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I mean, that for us, you know, I think was kind of incredible because we, we worked on other projects with law enforcement before. We have a lot of colleagues and friends in law enforcement and, you know, we all know law enforcement is willing to um, follow up on anything, especially when they've got a cold case. So here you've got a cold case, and you've got the only person to ever come forward to say that they were involved um, who's able to draw a map of the location and be able to give information about things that had not been previously publicly reported, and they don't want to talk to the guy. It's, it's, it seems like it's a dereliction of duty in many ways. Right. It's, it's interesting because when the police drew a map... They drew the abduction on the very corner. But when he drew the map, he did it, you know, 40, 50 paces down yeah. the block, which is where it really happened. Um, listen, stay there. We've, yeah. got, we've got to take a break. Uh, it, uh, it, the the, the sure. film is... David, Suki and Michael, stay there for a bit. I'll come back to you in a second. The, the film is um, it's grim. It, it, you know, it ain't full of laughs, guys, but it is such an incredible story. And you know what? We've not even got to the conspiracy part of the story yet. We've not even touched the conspiracy part. It's incredible. 0844 I'm Ian Lee. This is Talk Radio. The radio show for people who know the best part of the day is the night. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. This is Ian Lee. This is Talk Radio. We've got um, David, Suki and Michael, who are the, the directors of Who Took Johnny, the film I was banging on about all last week. It really is... Uh, it, it's an incredible film. You can see it on uh, um, Netflix. It's on Netflix. And um, it's grim, you know, and I, I, I it very rarely do it. Here's an interesting thing, uh, uh, Suki. Very rarely do I kind of warn listeners so much about a film. But, but, but this is really grim. And there's one, there's one scene in particular um, that as a viewer... I can see why it was in there, but it was it was perhaps 
It's really hard to put into words. How did I feel? There was one scene that actually really upset me quite a lot. Really upset me. And I think it's because I'm a dad of two boys. And it was the scene... And I just wondered how how much of a debate there was about putting it in there. It's the scene where Noreen gets sent pictures of um, topless teenage boys... Tied up, they're tied up in a ver- you know variety of like hogtie kind of vaguely use the word bondage kids but terrible language. They're tied up with bits of rope, and um, it's obviously they are being held prisoner, or there is some sort of sexual intent behind it. Was there a debate about that, Suki? Was there a do we put this in? Because you could have told the story without those pictures, couldn't you? Yes, you could. Uh, the, the, the intention of the film was to tell the story as it unfolded, yeah. as it happened to Noreen, and as we wanted to show what she was able to uncover herself. I mean, this is incredible information that law enforcement did not uncover, and yet she kept going, and this is what happened over the years, the many years that he was missing. Um, it was in 2006 that she found a cache of photos. Um, I think they were left on her porch. It was She just stepped outside one morning, and they were there. Um, and, of course, it was shocking to her when she looked inside and saw what she saw, um, photos that she believed are her son uh, tied up and from that era of when he was abducted. Yeah. And it also included um, some other photos of other boys, which were later able to be identified as coming from Florida. But I think there was that was one photo of several a dozen at least. Um, and so the police were able to identify those that one photo as being from Florida, and then they dismissed the entire cache uh, out of hand, saying that they were not Johnny Gosh. Mm. Um, and so, yes, but and David actually was more involved with that this part of the film. Oh, David, David was, was, there, was there a debate within you about whether you needed mm-hmm. to show those photos and, and show them as often? Because they get shown about three or four times, I think. Well, I think there's two there's there's two points to it. One is you want to kind of get a good look at them because here you have Noreen saying that some of the photos appear to be her son, and yeah. so I think from a sort of just the audience perspective, you want to look at them and say, does this look like it could be Johnny? And I think the other side of it was something you discovered when we were making the film, which is the idea of child exploitation, sexual exploitation, pedophilia child pornography is a very dark, difficult issue. Um, in many ways, American culture, I'm sure English culture, British culture, they're more apt to pay attention to murder cases than they are to talk about um, stories of kids being abused. We often, when we read a paper, when we read a story in the newspaper, we turn the page, we turn our face, we turn the other cheek. Um, it's dark. We don't like to deal with it. And if we sort of felt like, well, here's an instance where it's integral to the story. If we just dismiss them out of hand, aren't we kind of doing what is part of the problem, which is the idea that it's too difficult to deal with, so let's just not deal with did it. Did you not think and that... The idea of, sorry to interrupt, David. Did you not think, though, that you could, you no. could convey the fact what, that there were pictures and even describe them, but without showing them? And this isn't a criticism at all. Yeah. Yeah, this is I, just, this, I mean, they're, they're yeah. dark. We, we we understood, you know, we all we all have children. Yeah. Um, the, the pictures are dark. Um, they are. Wow. Um, uh, you know, but the, the, it's sort of evidence. It, so we thought, yeah. Come on, Michael. We got to show them. It it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't done lightly. We did. We no. we debated it a lot. And there's other things that didn't go in the film that we really wanted to get in the film. But film is really it's a visual medium and it's a visceral medium. And to not include them in some way and then have them in the story would have been. It was just really. Very difficult, yeah. and, I, and 
I, I will actually say I, I apologize to people who just stumbled upon it who it was very painful to. That was never the intent. The intent was to, to tell the story from Noreen's perspective. And, and I'll point out, when you watch the film, we, we tried to kind of uh, riff off of the filmmaker Errol Morris, where everyone else is looking left or right of the camera, but Noreen looks right into mm. the camera because she's talking to the viewers, and she wants to tell you her story. And this happened to her. She got these things, and she believes they, some of them are her son. Other people don't. But she does, and I'm not. And it was it's it was very important. And I'm yeah. not. And I'm not. You know, I, I, the film I think is a very classy. Um, you know, it's a classy look at a horrific story. So I'm not for a second accusing you yeah. of sensationalism. I just wondered, you know, your, your motives behind showing that bit. Uh, and I I, yeah. I appreciate you being so honest about it. it it's funny you mentioned the attitude. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm, I hope. But well, I just want to. I don't. I don't mean to be defensive. I oh, was no. just trying to address the fact yeah. that several people had said on Twitter that was a surprise. Yeah, and so I wanted to apologize. No, no, that, I mean, that's appreciate. It's interesting. You mentioned the attitude towards paedophilia in, in, in the UK versus the States, because in the last sort of four years, we have had um, a lot of paedophilia exposed over here. I don't know if you're aware of Jimmy Savile, who was a really big yeah. you know, yeah. star over here, and well, he died and you know, he was kind of almost sainted, and then it turned out he's probably abused hundreds of chi- you know, children throughout his career. And, and, right. and that's set off a chain reaction of, of you know, a lot of the entertainers that we looked up to in the 60s and the 70s a few, you know, a lot, I don't know, maybe 10 or so have gone to prison for, for paedophilia yeah. and, and for sex with, with, with children mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Um, and it's interesting, one of the, 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 what you get across in your film is the attitude towards paedophilia changing in the States. You know, you talk about kids as young as 12, 13, 14 in the early 80s going out and delivering papers and people not even knowing what you know child sex rings and people want to have sex with kids you Mm -hmm. know people not being able to grasp that concept yeah right still not being able to grasp the concept you know because it's still hard to grasp they didn't know what the word meant they didn't know what the word meant and it's interesting as well, Suki, because one of the, the theories that Paul Bonassi puts forward, or his, his, one of the stories that he puts forward, again, it ties in a lot with what is going on over here. This talk of, of people with money and people with power having um, uh, using kids for sex. You know, there's talk over here of VIP paedophile rings and, um, you know, there are MPs and there are lords and there are, you know, wealthy people and all kinds of people that are rumoured, um, you know, right. some, some that died and it's been proven that they did, that that were just abusing kids. You know, they were having sex with kids because they were really powerful and they could get away with it. And in some instances, with the, the case of Cyril Smith, who was an MP that, that that's died, MI5 were covering up you know, if anybody got close to working out what he'd done, MI5, our security service, would go and confiscate all the evidence. And it's interesting, Suki, I wonder how much you made of, of Paul Bonassi's claims of, um, you know, p- the, the high-profile paedophiles within American society. Yeah. Well, it actually, uh, it, it, it goes back to something that David said about it being this problem of pedophilia being such a problem because it is ugly and we don't want to read about it. And, you know, if it does show up in, in the news, uh, it often is very anonymous. And they say around, you know, the football time here in the States that, oh, there was a group of pedophile, it was a pedophile ring and there was sex trafficking, but we took care of it and we've, we've rounded them up and we've taken them away. And you actually never hear any follow-up and it's very anonymous it's a group of people um and so i think in that way the way that we have our cultures probably both 
um, have made it into this really ugly something that we must turn away from yeah. has enabled it to flourish in a way um, and potentially rise to the highest level of society. Um, it's something that's easy to cover up in that way. How much, Suki, do you, do you believe of Paul Bonassi's story? Do you believe everything? Do you, are there some bits that, that, that you don't believe? Because he is... Um I mean, he is he is a troubled, you know, at the time of, of, of when he came forward, he was a troubled young man. He was definitely the victim of, of rape and child abuse. He'd obviously right. been, you know, in, in an horrific situation. Um, did you right. believe everything he said? Well, you know, it's interesting. It went in a in a wave. It was, you know, at first I was like, "What? You know, this is not credible." How he doesn't even speak very clearly. It's hard to follow what he's saying. Mm. And then it would be the information involved, you know, in in what he was saying was compelling. Mm. And then it would be, "Oh, I've done, you know, interviews over many years now as a documentarian, and look at his body language. He is quite, you know, he's actually showing to me he seemed very credible. Um, he seemed." very honest and in fact that's why we included in the film near the end his evolution to where now he has started a family he got out of prison started a family it was a long process um dealing with you know his his demons uh but he is a family person now and able to sort of rise above this through the help of just a solid foundation um he's he talked about a reverend who came to visit him in prison who was saying that if you don't forgive these perpetrators it will eat you it won't do anything to hurt them so he found the resolve within himself to actually forgive and move on. Um, in a way, we included that also to say that if Johnny is still alive, that this is a potential outcome that may have befallen him. We don't know. Um, but I, his Paul Benassi, his evolution as a character was something that I was really fascinated by, and I did find him completely credible, it's, actually. And I'm glad you kept his story, because it's, it's, it's one of the happy moments in the film when you see yeah. him now mm-hmm. as, um, you know, a comparatively normal man with a family, and, you know, he, he seems to have come out the other side. Stay there, I've got to take one more break. When we get back, uh, there, there is... There is um, well, there's one bit in the film, one more bit in the film I want to talk about, and then I want to kind of explore, if you've got time, some of the conspiracy theories that I've, I, I, I googled Johnny Gosh after watching this film, and some of the conspiracy theories take you all over the shop. I'm Ian Lee. This is Talk Radio. The Wild Man of Late Night Radio is back. Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Uh, this is Ian Lee. This is Talk Radio. We're talking about the film Who Took Johnny. You can see it on Netflix. I've got David Bellinson, Susie, Suki Hawley and Michael Galinsky, all in the United States. Uh, they made the film. Right, now listen, who wants to who wants to take this one, right? Because this is the thing that, that seems to divide... I've got lo- so many texts and so many tweets about this. This, this is the bit that divides people. And you, whoever wants it can go for it. The bit when um, Noreen says, and I can't remember how many years it is after Johnny's initial dis- disappearance, where she says in court that he visited her at some point after the disappearance. Who wants to take this? I will. Go on, Suki. <laughs> uh, yes. She, <laughs> everyone else is breathing a sigh everyone. of relief. Go on. <laughs> gets everyone every time. Um, sh- yes, and nobody can believe that, one, he came to visit to that she would allow him to visit and then leave as the story goes um or you know any of the any of the above they can't believe um and from my perspective uh i 
felt that it was really important to show that part, even though it was, it did seem unbelievable. Um, she says, it, it, she says in court, just, just she's, she says in court um, that um, she's asked under oath, uh, have you spoken to Johnny since he disappeared? And she sort of hesitates and they say, well, you're under oath. And she goes, well, yeah, he came to visit me. Uh, for, and, and the story yeah. is, she, he came to visit for an hour, sat down and talked with her and then said, I've got to go. And it does sound... Um, it, that does sound fantastic, doesn't it? Carry on, Suki. Sorry to interrupt. It, it does. He was, uh, at the time, he would have been 28 years old. And, um, you know, lots of different versions go through my mind that, you know, Noreen, yes, someone did come to visit her. How did we know it was him? We can't corroborate that it was him. And she believed it was. Um, maybe she's, t- you know, co- concocted the story because the news, the cycle was uh, going cold and she wanted to resurrect the story and get it talked about again. You know, these are all p- plausible possibilities. Then there's the possibility that he actually did come to visit her. And to my mind, after Noreen researched what she did, she went into the underworld. She met with Paul Benassi. She understood what it was that she was dealing with, what it was that she believes Johnny had experienced since his abduction. That if he did come to visit her and say, I can only spend an hour here and then I must go, and she would fully accept that and say, yes, that is what needs to happen. You're not part of my world anymore and I can understand that. I, for me, that does seem very plausible and credible. David, Michael, do, do, does it seem credible and plausible to you? I mean, you, listen, you've spent loads of time with the woman. I've never mm-hmm. met her. I've, I've seen yeah. a 90-minute film. Well, well, I think one interesting thing is she, as someone who understood that the media lambasted her, that the media thought she was already crazy, what would she have to gain by saying something else that would be completely implausible? So I believe Noreen believes someone visited her that night. Absolutely. Um, and like Suki said, if you understood sort of what she believed happened to her son, um, the danger he would have been in, the fact that, you know, we know in the States, it's, we've seen it happen in the States before where kids who've been abducted have helped abduct other kids and have been sort of co-opted into the sort of doing other nefarious things. And it's, and it's, it's potentially true that if Johnny had been abducted as part of a ring, he would have also had been forced to do things to other kids so that he would also have been sort of incriminating himself and been in danger. Um, those kinds of things make it seem plausible. I think most people who hear the story think if my son was gone, I would have held on for dear life and mm-hmm. never let him go. I would have called police. I would have done all these things. But if you believe her side of the story and what happened to him and that he said, you can't do that because that's going to put me in worse danger, it would only make sense that a parent would let the kid go right and and if you also go back to what who she is which is this kind of very centered person and what she says which is i had to do not what i wanted to do but what was best for my son and while i wanted him back in my life what was best for him was to listen to what he needed and give him the space to do what he needed to do if he wanted to come back he could come back i'm i'm always here he knows where i am uh, uh- Michael, what's interesting about this story that's not in the film, and I, I, I saw you kind of allude to it on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, uh, earlier, Yeah, um, the conspiracy theories, the conspiracy theories. There is a great conspiracy theory that Johnny Gosh is alive and well and is, in fact, actually quite a high-profile journalist in the states is that is that that's i've got that right, right. that's one of the stories where, 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 yeah yeah where did well, that he, he where was did kind that of a high-profile journalist well he was it was it was a weird journalist where 
it was involved in being like a White House correspondent for some conservative news weekly. But then it turned out he was also a gay escort. And his name, Jeff Gannon, was the same name as the um, editor or publisher of the Des Moines paper. So these kind of weird, and he was about the same age as Johnny would have been. He looks fairly, fairly like him. We did. We followed that. We did a lot of research into it. We tried to film around it. In fact, I think we even went, had someone go film him at his house. But at the end of the day, as you saw, when you watch this movie, it was almost too much to take. Yeah. Oh, boy. Right? And if one, it would have been like that scene from The Meaning of Life. You know, just one wafer thin mint would have blown the whole thing up. Quite <laughs> that's possibly, a, where that's an just excellent like, comparison. Gone. Yes. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, and and yet on the flip side, and, and Noreen, and Noreen doesn't faces. believe that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, say that. Was that David? And she, she, yeah, I was yeah. going to say Noreen. You know, Noreen was confronted with that, and she doesn't believe that Jeff uh, Gannon is Johnny mm. either. And so then that would have been I mean, one of the things that we didn't play out. One, one of the things we tried to do, and I think with any sort of difficult story, is sort of separate the stuff that can't be corroborated, that's sort of too outlandish um, to sort of include. And while Noreen's tale of Johnny visiting her is certainly outlandish, it's her perspective, it's her story, she's written about it, she's told it. Um, it was something we had to include. Um, and so most of the other things we included in the film were things that um, were either corroborated by visual evidence or corroborated by uh, lawsuits, testimony, um, court transcripts and otherwise. Um, rem- there's certainly a treasure trove of info that we did not include um, that people who are obsessed about the case might be upset about, but, you know... If you, I mean, if, if you, you go... If you, we're trying to make a movie. If people go online, you type in conspiracy, Johnny Gosh, shed loads comes up. One, one final thing that I'm reminded <laughs> about in the movie, the, 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 yeah. the um, documentary that a British documentary team were making um, in the 90s for, I think it's for right. the Discovery Channel... Um, about yeah, yeah. Uh, well, just remind me what the film they were making, and they, they, because suddenly the Discovery Channel pulled the plug and said, "Yeah, stop that film now." What what, what was it they were investigating? So Paul Paul, you know, was tangentially connected to Johnny's case through a uh, child prostitution sort of network that was exposed in Omaha, Nebraska, um, in the late eighties and early nineties. That sort of everyone sort of talks about as the Franklin scandal because um, it was exposed to the Franklin Credit Union, which was run by a guy who sort of served as a uh, part-time pimp, um, pandering kids sort of all over the country. And uh, it sort of had broken locally, but um, had sort of made bigger waves outside. And Yorkshire Television uh, sent a team to Omaha, Nebraska to investigate. And they created this film that's online, or at least the sort of unedited, raw, Mm. rough cut of it has been online and circulating. It's called Conspiracy of Silence. And, um, yeah, it never aired. Um, and there's a lot of different reasons why maybe it didn't air. Some say it was pulled. Others say it just, you know, quality-wise wasn't up to snuff. For whatever reason, the film never aired. But there's a rough cut that's circulating. It's got a lot of incredible footage um, that sort of talks about the Franklin case. Um, which, if you dig into that, um, that was sort of what originally brought us into this story. There's a guy named Nick Bryant, who's a really well-known journalist, who wrote this book called The Franklin Scandal, which is this amazingly well-researched story that talks about that case and talks about what happened there. Listen, I know, um, I, I know I'm know, i a late-night radio host, and it's, it's a slightly different job to late-night radio hosts in the United States, OK? <laughs> I'm a little bit more grounded in reality, and I'm not a conspiracy nut at all. But, but <laughs> since the Jimmy Savile story broke about four years ago, uh, and we had a, 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 <clears throat> a, an MP, Lord Janner, who died recently, and, and the, you know, it, it's it since come out that he was a paedophile and there was a big cover-up by the police... 
lots of cover-ups by the police around Savile and other people. Um, and now there are rumours about all kinds of people dead and alive in politics and in show business in this country. Um, I kind of, I kind of buy into the fact that, that there is probably a high profile, uh, uh, you know, a, a very, um, there are people in power in this country that are paedophiles and they communicate secretly and there's a paedoph- there's a VIP paedophile ring. Do you think that that's true about America? Do you, do you, do you, do, do, after what Paul Bonassi says and what you found out, let's start with you, David. Do you, do you think that that's probably true in America? Well, let's think about this. Think about the idea that psychologists will tell you that one to five percent of the population are pedophiles. Mm. They have a desire to be with children. Um, if you think about those numbers, that means police officers, coaches, clergy, businessmen, all walks of life. There's a percentage of them who might be pedophiles. And then if you think about, well, how do you satiate that? If you're a sort of lone pedophile, you don't have money, maybe you go out and molest someone you know, kidnap someone you know. If you're wealthy and you do that, you do the same thing wealthy people do who want prostitutes. You pay for it. So if you're going to pay for it, then that creates supply and demand. That means that you need someone to go out and get it for you. That would happen whether you're British, American, Filipino, or Asian. So if you're just going based on numbers and, and the human population, it would make sense that it exists. Michael, were you, were you well, about to say which, something? Yeah, yeah I, wanted, I wanted to point out something that's connected to the conspiracy of silence. You know, people would say that it was a conspiracy that it was pulled. It might have been also that it was just too hard for them to imagine putting it on television. Yeah. And I want to point out that... We actually um, first showed this film at the Slamdance Film Festival in 2014, along with uh, the Kung Fu movie you mentioned. I can't oh, remember. His Kung name Fu Elliot. Yeah, Kung Fu Elliot oh. was there that same year. Wow, there you go. There's but a coincidence. No, <laughs> but no one, else, no one would show this movie, which meant we couldn't get any reviews. So it took us a year and a half to get a single review of the film. Wow. Which meant that no one would distribute it. So it took forever to get it out there. And it's, you know... We tried to tell people it's a good movie and people are going to like it, but it took forever to simply get it on Netflix, and then it is able to do what it does. And are people people are finding it now, are they, Michael? They're, they're, they're kind of... They're, they're, yeah, they are, especially because of people like you, largely, actually, yeah. who have uh, you know an audience and can tweet it and stuff. But actually, I want to also jump in and say, for those who don't have Netflix, it's also on Vimeo in Demand Brilliant. in England, in the UK. Yeah. Okay, listen. But, and, and if a film and if a film raises as many questions as it answers, yeah. Um, oh, it's an important it movie. It's, it's an inc- you know, a good film that you want to share. Yeah. Oh, and, and listen, it's not your Saturday night movie. Let's get some beers in and watch Who Took Johnny. But, 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 <laughs> it, 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 it's a really important film. And again, just to, to stress, it, yeah. it, it's not done in a. Um, it, it's really subtle. It's classy. You, you, you yeah. cannot. Have, I mean, I wept at the end when when you find out about those, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the kids that got murdered. Mm-hmm. Oh, it broke my heart. But mm-hmm. sorry, so I'm choking up mm-hmm. thinking about it. Um, let's let, yeah. listen. We've got two minutes, Suki. What are you guys working on now? Do you always work together as a team? And, and have you have you got you know a, a big project mm-hmm. coming up? We do. Yeah, we're in post production on a film about an um, a back doctor here in the states named Dr. John Sarno. He, uh, his theory is that most of the chronic pain epidemic that we're experiencing here um, has to do with an emotional component that's not being dealt with by Western medicine. Wow. Um, he's written a book. He actually, he's 93, and he wrote a book in the 80s. He wrote four books, actually, one of which has helped millions of people. And by word of mouth, this book has just gone the rounds and 
by reading the book, many people say that they have been cured of their of their lifelong pain, um, including Michael, um, who is one of the main characters in the film. Wow. Uh, it's a personal film, yeah. Uh, when, so, when can, when can we see that, Michael? When, when's, when's that going to be out? Well, we're going to premiere it this fall at a festival uh, in the U.S., and hopefully we'll, we'll bring it around the world soon. Um, but it's, it's just like all of the other films we make. It's about someone fighting desperately for something that they believe in yeah. against incredible odds and being dismissed until finally 30, 40, 50 years later, people come around to see that they were right. And, um, you know, speaking of late-night radio, the one biggest booster of this guy, Dr. John Sarno, is Howard Stern. Oh wow! Okay, I'm on the radio yeah. all the time, and that's that's how his book has sold all around the world. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's crazy how well 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 known he is, and yet there's literally no media about him ex- whatsoever, except for one uh, TV piece from 1999. When the film comes out, and um, when, when people over here can watch it, let us know, and you you have an open invitation to come on the show. Uh, rumor dot com r u m u r dot com is your website if people want to find out more about stuff yeah. you've done before. I wish you the very best of luck with Who Took Johnny. You know, it, it, it's an incredible film. Congratulations to all three of you. Thank you. Thanks yeah, for having and us. we want to thank you. Yeah, I, I do want to yeah. really thank you so much for. Um, you know, it's a, it's a funny world. You tweeted about it. I reached out to you, and you know, a week later, you're sharing yeah. it with a big audience, which. It's, it's crazy, right? But uh, I really crazy. appreciate you taking the time and, and finding it. Thank you. So, well, listen, thank you so much, Michael, for your, for your tweet. And thank you, David Balenson, Michael Galinsky, Suki uh, Hawley. Um, gosh. I mean, who took Johnny? It, it really is. It's an incredible movie. Thank you so much. Uh, 0844-499-1000. This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Access all radios. Talk Radio. Give it some lip. Talk Radio. I, uh, as I say, I enjoyed that. Enjoyed is um, is probably the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Um, the, the show will continue, as per usual, 0844-499-1000. We will call you back. I'm Ian Lee. This is Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Song calling me down the road. It's where I'll always be. Every stop I make, I make a new friend. Can't stay for long, just turn around and I'm gone again. Maybe tomorrow I wanna settle down. Until tomorrow, I'll just keep moving on down this road that never seems to end. When you adventure lies just around the bend So if you want to join me for a while Just grab your hat, come travel like that's old style Maybe tomorrow I want to settle down Until tomorrow the whole world is my home
as a world It's way into a fold And you can tell No one has ever told We journeyed on But I know we won't be long We're almost there And I'm great I'm there with a hobo song Maybe tomorrow I wanna settle down Until tomorrow I'll just keep walking down So if you wanna join me for a while Just grab your hat, don't travel like that hobo style Maybe tomorrow I'll find what I call home Until tomorrow you know I'm free to roll Well, I've been playing that song I've been playing that song for about six years. It turns out I've never listened to the words. I don't know what any of the words are to that song. Isn't that silly? People, uh, here's the thing. I keep getting people having a pop at me saying, why aren't you playing the original version of The Littlest Hobo? But that's, that is the theme tune version. I got a really angry email. I wonder if I've still got this email. Let me just have a little look. Um, no, I haven't. I got a really angry email the other day saying, why, why do you keep playing that version of The Littlest Hobo? Why you play the original version? Now, that is the theme tune version, because I nicked that off of YouTube. If it were a TV programme, which I don't believe it is. I nicked it off of YouTube. There is another version by a bloke called, like, Tre- Terry Trehorn or something. And that version... I've got, have I got that on my... Look, I'm going to look for something on my computer, and I won't have it. The version that is commercially available, that is probably the uh, original version... Isn't oh, let me type in a hobo. Hang on, what's what's this? What the hell is this? What is this? There's a voice what? keeps on calling me down the road. That, I mean what what's that bit at the beginning? not a song and then what's this version is this the you and i've got oh it's, it could not be found all right so don't well i'm not going to tell people to get a life Catherine. that's rude Catherine is telling you to get a life if that's your your beef that kind no listen this this show is the home of pendants and um it's the kind of thing that bugs me i tell you what bugs me i couldn't sleep on sunday night oh bloody hell i couldn't sleep on sunday night Partly because I was watching Limmy playing Grand Theft Auto. Um, and I was in bed with it on. And then I, could, then I went downstairs to get myself something to eat. And I turned on... And um, at 20 past 12 on Sunday night, Monday morning, they were doing the Muslim phone-in. <laughs> oh, oh, they were doing the Muslim phone-in. Ha! Ah, Jeez! What? They were doing the Muslim phoning. I just thought, oh, for God's sakes. You shouldn't laugh, but they're playing trails on that station of Katie Hopkins being tear-gassed. No, you you shouldn't. You shouldn't, but it's hard not to, isn't it? Isn't it? But you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Katie Hopkins being tear-gassed, you shouldn't. But it's hard not to, isn't it, really? When you think about it, it's hard not to. But you shouldn't. But it's hard not to. Um, 0844-499-1000 is the telephone number. Uh, Lots to talk about, including... So, uh, Catherine and I are doing Ian and Kath's My Name Goes First. 
alphabetical and talent and looks and um, penis length. Ian and Kath's performance ring on Sunday, October the 30th. So it sold out. Tickets went on sale. Was it Thursday or Friday? Don't matter. It was a day I wasn't in. It sold out immediately. Well, um, it sold out. And acts are still coming in, right, that getting in touch. I've got a running order that's pretty hot. But if you've got something really weird, we might have to squeeze you in for that. But fear, fear not. Fear not, fans of Bizarre Variety. And honestly, we've got some really weird acts. I was going through it with Kath. Is, is it, it sounds all right, doesn't it, Kath? It sounds all right. I mean, proper... I mean, even using the word acts. Bloke's going to come on stage and push a wheelbarrow for ten minutes. I mean, seriously, that's going to happen. He's going to push a wheelbarrow. Um, so that's happening on October 3rd. So what we've done is we've booked in another one already. Um, with Christmas special. Sunday, December the 11th. And if you want tickets, ticketsource.co.uk slash Ian Dash Lee. Right? If you go there, you can get tickets. Ticketsource.co.uk slash Ian I-A-I-N dash L-E-E for um, the Ian and Kath's Performance Ring Christmas Special. So, um, so yeah. And we've had all kinds of people getting in touch with acts. If you've not, I, I, I think I've got all of the acts for the, this this one. Unless you've got something really, really bizarre for the 30th, I think we've got all the acts. But you might have something really, really special. Need acts for the Christmas special. Um, but um, lots of people have got in touch with lots and lots of weird acts. And basically, I have taken the, um, the, the, the thing, the weirder it is, the more likely you're going to get on. Right? The weirder it is, the more likely you'll get on. Because people, people want. But even I have a limit. Paul Akinbola's on the line. Good evening, Paul. Hello. Now, Paul, you sent an email asking if you could perform at Performance Ring. Yeah. May I read your email out to the listener? Yeah. Dear Ian. Yeah. I would like to... What are you listening to, Paul? Um... Could you, could you turn it off? Because it's a little bit disturbing. Okay. Thank you. Dear Ian, this is the email I got from Paul Akimbola. Dear Ian, I lo- would like to be part of the talent show where the talent is me doing a farting bodybuilding routine, dancing to I'm Too Sexy, and here it comes, here comes the catchphrase, wearing a nappy... And doing a pee and a poo. I've enclosed the picture of the bodybuilding's photo and a nappy with the red lights flashing. And you've sent me a picture of a very muscular black gentleman's torso. Is that you? Yeah. No, no, not me. No. And a nappy. Yeah. So you want to do an act where you come on in just a, just a nappy with a flashing light on. 
and you do like bodybuilding. So the song I'm too se- I'm too sexy for my shirt. That's playing, and you do like a bodybuilding routine, and then you do a pee and a poo in your your nappy. Yeah, I'm gonna say no. Are you going to reject it? Why? I am reject. I am rejecting it, and I'm, and um, it's interesting you've asked why. Why do you think you rejected it? Because uh, it, it, it's a no-no. Which bit of it in particular is a no-no? And nappy. The the well the nappy and the doing a pee and a poo. They are they are. The nappy, no, actually, you know, the nappy could work, right? Yeah. The pee and the poo is that is a definite no no. That's got that's got to be illegal, hasn't it? Is it illegal to take a dump on stage? Um, 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 it could, um, it'll be. I think I don't. Uh, I think it's illegal illegal because nappy is is it's covers we cut. It's covered. Oh. Well, even if it's not illegal, I still think, and I'm, you know, we've got some weird stuff lined up. I still think maybe, Paul, that you, uh, maybe the act needs a little bit of a rethink. Well, so I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna, I'm gonna pass on it. I'm going to change. Um, 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 um I could still come to the show. I, I, I could well, perform. It's... Go on. I could perform. Uh, 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 the thing is performing this song. I'm too sexy. Well, the thing is, Paul. Listen, we we have sold out for that night, so so you can't come for that. But do feel free to submit more potential acts for later performance rings. But but it, expect if they involve P and Poo. I would like to perform as uh, I want to be a vocal singer. Okay, well, could your mate? Was I, it I could, your mate I could, Sean? I could sing. I could sing. Uh, uh, Garage Black Track. Never gonna let you go by Tina Moore. Go on, then. Give us. Give us a bit of it now. Go on. The song called Tina. Never gonna let you go. Tina. Garage 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 song. Never gonna let you go because you're my baby. Okay. More than worth me and go. Now then, let go. Won't be full anymore. Maybe artist management is more where your talent lies as opposed to performance. Just performance that. Where huh? performance because the one yeah hello yeah hello hello okay Paul listen it's good to talk to you I've got to go to a break thank you for that oh eight four 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 nine nine one thousand late night Ian Lee on talk radio we have ways of making you talk. This is the kind of uh, nut twittery I get right so Al has uh, messaged me on Facebook. Um, Ian, the Littlest Hobo theme you play isn't the theme tune. It's by Scooch. They did their version in 2000. I think that Terry guy did the original. That The one I am playing, you utter nut weasels, is the theme tune to the Littlest Hobo. It is the theme tune 
If there was a TV programme of The Little Is Hobo, which I don't believe there was, the version I am playing is that theme tune version. And I know that because I ripped it off of the video of the opening titles from YouTube. I, kn- I know that! A quarter of the tickets for Ian and Kath's Christmas performance ring have sold out already. A quarter of the tickets. We haven't even got an act lined up for it yet. Oh. Kath's in feisty. Kath's fingers are feisty. 0844 is the uh, telephone number. I will tell you about what I... It's been busy tonight, isn't it? I will tell you what um, where I was Thursday and Friday. Mixture of of um, lows and lows and vague, vaguely suicidal thinking on Thursday. Not even vaguely proper proper low, and um, uh, ending with a good high on. Uh, oh, I tell you, what, I saw a film that's that's it's patchy, right? It's patchy. But it was very rarely, as I was watching a film, I recognised someone, I thought I recognised someone, and I was able to send them a text. Um, I was watching this, it's a spoof, pop star, Never Stop, Never Stopping, right? And it's like, it's like a spinal tap, but for now. Have you seen it? It's, and it's the, the guys from Saturday Night Live that do those funny pop songs with Michael Bolton and stuff. It's patchy, but it had, um... James, whose last name escapes me, from um, um, Bus Stop um, Winkers, uh, The Inbetweeners. James, I can't think of James's last name. Anyway, he's in it. And I, and I text him, is that you in that film? He went, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, James Buckley, that's it, thank you. And um, it, it's patchy, right? But is there's some quite funny bits in there there's a really ringo gets the funniest line in it ringo star is a talking head so this guy um the the, the singer i can't remember anything about it um anyway he releases uh, oh his name's con con for, connor for real and he releases an album called conquest <laughs> and he does a song about equality and how we should all live together and gays should be allowed to marry gays and but then he keeps in the song, keeps in the song, emphasising, you know, I think gay, gay man should be allowed to marry another gay man. I'm not gay, and he just it keeps on going. And then the video is is him. I'm in bed with seven sexy ladies. They're all straight, but I think, and it's and it's very funny, right? And then there's a brilliant talking head from Ringo. Where Ringo goes all deadpan. He's written a song about saying, you know, gays should be allowed to marry and stuff, as though it's illegal for gays to marry, but they've made it legal. And just the way Ringo does it is brilliant. It, it's, it, there's a brilliant scene as well where Seal gets eaten by a wolf. <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it's kind of hit and miss. Why am I telling you this? I've got no flipping idea, but James Buckley's going to come in one night. Oh, I'll tell you who else is coming in. So James Buckley's coming in one night. Scroobius Pip may be coming in next Wednesday. He's emailing me. The Scroobius Pip book is just... It's just a joy to read. It's very inspirational. Hashtag quotes. Uh, it's inspirational. And, and I, was, I, I was reading it over the weekend and I got more work done on Sunday than I've got done for ages. He's coming in. Giles Martin is, hap- ha- Giles Martin is happening at some point, although we've, we've had one fob off. It's supposed to be this Wednesday, so we'll see how that plays out. 
Um, oh, and other, uh, and other people, uh, Hunter Davis, and we've got, we've got loads of Beatles guests coming up, which is, which is cool for me. We'll spread them out. We'll spread them out, but um, we'll get James Buckley in one, one night to kind of do the show with me. 0844-499-1000. Dom's on the line. Good evening, Dom. Good evening, sir. Good evening, Dom. I would, I would like to read a prepared statement. Really? Yes. Okay. Okay. My name is Dom, and on Tuesday the 6th of September, I engaged a presenter of this show, Mr Ian Lee, in a game of karaoke catch-up. At no point was this feature meant to cause offence to my fellow listeners, and it is with deep regret and sorrow I must make a heartfelt apology to anyone offended by my song choice. Stutter Up by Morris Manor and the Majors may have reached number four in the charts 28 years ago, but it still upsets people of a stammering disposition to this day, and I should have realised that. I humbly offer my profuse apologies and promise never to be unsympathetic or controversial again. For his part in the call, Mr Ian Lee has served his mandatory two-night suspension and wished to say no more about his absences. I would like to show the bosses at Talk Radio that I can be trusted as a caller, and so I would like to prove myself with tonight's karaoke catch-up. Ian, if I may? Please do, and I, um, thank you for that. That was graciously done. Well done. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. <laughs> You're now to, now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. <laughs> There we go. Wow. Flipping heck. What did, where did that come from? Jeez. What the hell is wrong with these people? He's banned for the rest of the night. Well, the thing is, we can't, we can't dish out, because we haven't got that many callers. We can't dish out um, bands that are longer than, than three hours, unfortunately. So, uh, he can call in tomorrow, but he can't call in tonight. Those who were hoping to get a slice of Caddick pie on uh, October the 30th are in for a disappointment. Isn't that right, Alan? I'm Lady Cadonk has let me down. She has let you down. Uh, because I can't get a ticket for the show. Yes. Well, here's the thing as well, right? This is, this is the thing, OK? Because the, uh, the, the people that are coming to the show, I'm asking, and it depends on what they're doing, but I'm asking for between 8 and 15 minutes long. Yeah. So you come in and singing, you're the one that I want. As part of a Grease medley. Well, how long does the Grease medley last? Well, we're, we're going to do summer nights, Grease Nightling, oh, and you're the one that I want. Well, how, well, how long does that? Well, how long does that add up to as an act? For about fourteen minutes. Turn my mic off. I've got to swear. Turn my mic off. Turn it back on. Turn it back on. Gee, fourteen minutes. Right, that's an estimation. Who? Mr. Mason? What the no, hell? What? Estimation. That's an estimation. I thought you said this according to Mr. Mason. No. Well, you can apply again. You can apply again for the Christmas special. Uh, but I need, I need, 14 minutes I think is a little bit too long. And that's not me being mean. I'm genuinely, uh, having stood on stages uh, thousands of times... 14 minutes is actually a really, really long time to fill. 
Um, in fact, me and Captain have got to fill that next Monday, and we ain't got a clue what we're going to do. But 40 minutes is a really, really long time to fill. And um, while the audience are going to be on everybody's side, and um, uh, I-, I want this to work, right? I want this to work for the audience, and I want this to work for the performer. And I've had a couple of people who've got in touch with their acts. I said, yeah, I like it, but you need to get rid of about three or four minutes, because it's, it's just going to feel like an age up there. I don't want anyone to die, Alan. Well, and I worry that if you do, if you perform, you and Lady Kadonk perform a song for fourteen minutes, the audience is going to die. Well, <laughs> That's what I worry. You're going to kill the whole audience with that. I probably send them to sleep. You, but, well, or, or, or they'd have. But what, imagine the nightmares they'd have. Well, yeah, uh, I mean. Imagine the nightmare me and Lady Cadon could have on stage. Oh, jeez, it doesn't even bear thinking about, does it? No, it doesn't. And also, did you hear about Bake Off going to Channel 4? Yeah, this is the thing, right? Bake Off is going to Channel 4. I've never seen Bake Off. I've not, I've not seen Channel 4 since they shafted me. But, 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 right? TV isn't just TV, as Danny Baker tweeted earlier on. And what that means is, you can't just take... Something that is obviously brilliant, right, and has touched the nation. I, I don't watch it, but people love it, right? There's a lot of affection for it. You can't just take that from one place and move it to another place and hope to... Do you remember when Morecambe and Mark Wise went from the BBC to Thames, to ITV? Yeah. It was awful. Oh, no. If you've ever seen... Do, do, do this, right? Everyone, oh, Morecambe Wise, weren't they brilliant? No. If you've ever seen... um. Well, first of all, they do best ofs, Morecambe, best of Morecams and Wises from ITV, right? The best ofs are pony. So I'm you watch. I'm moving up from 1985. You watch an actual episode of Morecambe and Wise from ITV in the 80s that's not even a best of. It is un. Watchable. So to, th- so to think that you can um, just take the Great British Bake Off and transport it three buttons down on the TV set, one, two, three, four, and you're going to get the same thing is ridiculous. I'm although, converts in it. Although saying that, they did do that with Big Brother and it was actually a huge success, so it might work. Uh, and plonk adverts in the Bake Off. Uh, well, these things, um, these things happen. Can you imagine Great British Bake Off? Sponsored by Lightning Limited. Yep. Because they're providers of baking materials. Okay. But other baking materials are available. Well, he's still talking. Um, and also, I'm going to try and think of a decent app for Christmas. Late Night Ian Lee. Unfiltered Night Talk with the original king of unconventional conversation on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Why has Sam Delaney started following me on Twitter today? That's weird, isn't it? That's weird. Um, So you can get tickets. The 30th of October is sold out. Then we're going to be on that Monday, the 31st, we're going to be up in a pub somewhere, in a haunted pub. We'll we'll let you know where and when. I'm sure you can pop along for that. Uh, And then... I'm doing a couple of live shows in November. And then, look at us. Like, vaudeville never um, existed in this country, did it? It was v- old school variety. But 
Um, and then, Sunday, December the 11th, Ian and Kath's performance ring, 20% of the tickets have sold out already. You want to buy a ticket? Ticketsource.co.uk slash Ian dash Lee. 20% of the tickets have sold out already. Wowzers! Wowzers. When is... Will it ever... Will it ever go full circle? Will it ever become acceptable to do a Savile again? No, 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 no. Will it ever? i tell you why. I, um... Right, here's the thing. So, so we, I've mentioned this before, but I've, Kath and I have made, we're making this little do- documentary, radio documentary, that will go out somewhere. It may go out here if the push comes to shove. An hour here, we bunk off an hour early. Um, about Gary Glitter, about my relationship with Gary Glitter, steady on, because I like his music and stuff. And then today I really wanted to watch... Uh, yeah. Today I really wanted to listen to Gary Glitter's um, Desert Island Discs. Because he did it. He's one of only two people to take a Gary Glitter record. Um, And he wanted to take two luxury items with him. A blow-up doll and some plasters. Because he'd be... He's like a pig. He's got a spiky penis and he would have burst it. And um, they said, well, you're only allowed... It was Sue Lawley. You're only allowed to take one. I know it have been Ray Plumley. I don't know. Anyway, you're only allowed to take one. He said, I'll take the doll. Um, but it's not, it doesn't exist. It's, it, it's mentioned on the BBC website, so at least they mention it, but it, 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 it doesn't exist. I'd love to, if anyone's got it, I'd love to hear it. But, um, got me thinking. So I typed in Gary, on YouTube, Gary Glitter. I had a brilliant Gary Glitter song as well, When I'm On. I mean, what a record. But I typed in Gary Glitter, Desert Island Discs, right? And a few Gary Glitter things come up. And then I fell, then I fell down the rabbit hole. Because then, one of the clips under this heading was really bad. I can't play it because the audio is terrible. But Matthew Kelly on the Frank Skinner show. Have you seen it? I love Matthew Kelly. I think he's brilliant. And he was on TV all the time. Until, until, until he was linked to a sex scandal. Proved to be completely false. Completely made up. Complete and utter bullshine, right? Um, but it destroyed his TV career. And he was Mr. Saturday Night. You know, tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be. Um, he, he was Mr. Saturday Night. And it completely ruined his, 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 his TV career, right? And even when... It, it wasn't that long after, I don't think. We should get Matthew Kelly on one night, because I think he's brilliant. In fact, that's tomorrow's project. We'll get Matthew Kelly. We'll sort Matthew Kelly out. Um, and I, I, I'd love to talk to him about this if he'd be up for it. I don't know. He may not. But um, I, I'm sure he would, actually. Because it wasn't that long after it was proved that this whole story was complete hokum, right? Completely made up, right? Um, and we, of course, as a nation and TV companies should have been bowing and scraping and begging him to come back on our screens. And we didn't. We didn't. He never came back on TV. Uh, it, it completely ruined his TV career. Now he's a very successful actor and he he, he tours the country, I believe, in, in stage plays and stuff like that. Um but he was brilliant on TV, and I think TV is a darker place for not having Matthew Kelly on. And it was a brilliant clip of Matthew Kelly being interviewed by Frank Skinner. 
And, 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 and it's, I mean, it, it, it's weird. Both of them come across. It's a very awkward clip, right? But brilliant viewing. And Frank Skinner's doing the interview. Matthew Kelly says, I want to have a word with you. Um, because you and David Baddiel did jokes about me being a paedophile. And Frank Skinner's like, uh? And fair play to Skinner, right? He takes it. He, st- he sits there and he takes it. And he quotes, the- he, sa- he says, do you want me to quote the joke back? And he says, yes, please. And he quotes the joke and, and, and justifies it. Really, really uncomfortable viewing. Really uncomfortable viewing. And then it got me, and so we're- Matthew Kelly, right? So we'll-, we'll get him on. And then it got me thinking about John Leslie. John Leslie. Now, he did do some naughty things. There's that video with him and Abby Titmus. And um, I believe there were pictures of him taking drugs at a party, right? But what ended his TV career were accusations of rape. Okay, which... I don't know if it went to court or not, but but there is no legal basis to suggest that he did any of the things that um, people were accusing of, you know, in the press. I don't know if it went to, to, to court or not, but but there's certainly no evidence to suggest he's done any of those things at all. The only thing he did wrong was he made a sex tape with his girlfriend and another lady and um, took some drugs. He took some drugs and he was the host of a family show. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I can, yeah, I can see why that would stop you working on this morning. But, um, again, his career ruined by, um, by nothing. By nothing. You know, nobody... Never went to, to prison. Nothing was proven. Nothing. And his career is ruined. And I was asking on Twitter, anyone knows what he's up to? I think he does um, a, a, a community radio, or a very small radio station in Scotland. And he's a, he's a property developer. When, um, if all he did was do a little bit of, you know, drugs and make a mucky film, he served his penance, hasn't he? I mean, how long ago was that? That was before I was on, was that before I was on the telly? Must have been, because I never, I never met i never met him and i would have been so what 16 17 18 years ago that happened catherine is, is busily typing in to find out exactly when that happened he served his penance hasn't he frank boff frank boff for crying out loud he got done doing a little bit of drugs and paying for sex i think he liked having his bottom spanked who doesn't like having their bottom spanked <laughs> Only Catherine put her hand up. Ed didn't. Um, John Leslie was 2002, was it? Okay, 14 years ago. Okay, so I wasn't telling him. Oh, that's interesting. Um, oh. Angus Deaton! Angus Deaton! Flip it, heck! Again! He did some, he did some cocaine with some prostitutes. Again, you know... But he wasn't like a, you know, he wasn't hosting family. He was hosting Have I Got News For You. I can understand why he couldn't work on there because Paul Merton and um, uh, um, Hislop, they kind of went in for the kill on him. So, of course, he couldn't go back. It'd be great to see him guest host one, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Of course, he couldn't do that. But Angus Deaton was funny. He was funny. I liked his kind of slightly smarmy, smug, condescending tone. I liked it. Enough time has passed that we can welcome Angus Deaton back on our TV screens. He occasionally, he was hosting a, like a panel show on Radio 4. It was a ropey old thing. It really wasn't that good. Really wasn't that good at all. Um, but 
I'd love to see Angus Deaton back on the telly. He paid for sex and did a bit of coke. You're right, I'm not condoning it, but... You know, really? Really? Everybody was, um, was up for it. You know, there was, no one was forced into doing anything. Everything was up for it. You're right, uh, Catherine's telling me on, on Periscope, well, he's in Nighty Night. He's hilarious in Nighty Night. Night, Nighty Night. Nighty Night. He's hilarious in that. More of Angus. I don't know where I'm going with any of this. It's just where my head was. I spent about three hours in Costa today, and that's where I ended up. 0844 499 1000. Katia Triss, Nigel and Gatford come to you after this. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Uh, right, let's crack on. Triss. Hip, hip, hip. Hip, hip, hip. Triss, what you got for us, boss? Oh, well, let's go talk about filming. Yes, sir. Well... I don't know what you think, but I thought it would have been really interesting to have interviewed Dad a bit more after um, she said that he came to visit her for an hour because there was no real reaction from anyone else in the film other than her and about whether they believed her or, you know, what they thought of that. And that, for me, was a little bit telling, that it was just a way to keep the story alive and keep the story in the media. Because... I in, don't. I don't believe. I well. don't believe he visited her. I don't believe it. Nor do I. Because they did that thing with the dollar bill as well, didn't they? Where yeah. They, he'd signed it saying I'm still alive. And Someone thought, signed it saying I'm Johnny Gosh and I'm still alive or something like that. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. I buy. I buy that. I guess though, in terms of the dollar bill, um, uh, if you are, uh, uh, if you're a parent, you cling on to anything, wouldn't you? Any. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And and, and the the Paul Bonassi side of it implies that he was certainly alive for several years after he was taken. Oh, I believe I believe that element of the story completely is is there's too much uh, corroborating evidence, isn't there? Like that bunker and stuff like that. I mean, that's um, that's I mean, it's it, it's it's a grim really? film. It's it's an it's such an important story and. Um, uh, which is why I I really ummed and ahed about making it a film ring because it's not kind of what we've done before, but it's just such an important story and it's told so brilliantly. And I'm really pleased to have made the contact with those those three filmmakers because they've got their heads uh, screwed on um, completely. The, the 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 one thing that made me think, well, maybe he had turned up, was that she she didn't mention it for two years and then she said it under oath in court and she hesitated yeah, but- about saying it. But the thing about that is, she's spent 30 years with the police not helping her, and she's anti the police all the time. Why would she care if she lied under oath or not? Well, yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. if she's doing it to protect her son, what, why would she ever say it? Why would she put it in a film? I, I just don't buy that at he, all. OK, here's a question I had. Why did no one go and kill Paul Bonassi? And I mean that as a serious question. If he really... You know, if he really did... Actually, I do believe most of his story, but... Um, he, he, you know, he claims he was was um, raped as a child and then forced to work for this 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 child prostitution ring, and then suddenly he appears from nowhere. Mm. Why did no one go and kill him? Yeah, that's a very good point. Well, too high profile now. Kathy's typing on the screen. Yeah, but now, but but immediately you come out as a snitch, yeah, set, as a grass. Set, set out of prison. Yeah. Is it easy easy to bump him off? Easy. Yeah, you would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. She, she was so brave to go and meet him, though. I'm not sure I could have oh, done that. Oh, that bit is... Um, it, it really is. You know who this is? No. Uh, that's Johnny Gosh's mum. <laughs> yeah. 
She holds it together incredibly, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah, she did. I mean, a, a real... It, it, one, the, one of the guests I'm, I'm, I'm trying to track down to invite on the show, and I'm not going to go too specific, but I heard her on a radio show earlier on today. And she is the sister of someone who was, was brutally murdered in a very high-profile case. She's written a book, right? And I've ordered right. the book. I want to check the book out. I want to see if I can, I'd like to see if she'd like to come on and chat. Um, and the reason I want to get her to get her to come on is because in this interview I heard today, this woman, it was the dignity. It was the dignity and the calmness with which she spoke about the people who had killed her sister. And she may yeah. have even, she may have, I, 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 I missed the end of it. I think she may have even said that she forgave them. I'm not sure. I don't want to put words into her mouth. Um, it, 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 it's the sister of one of the Fred and Rose West victims, right? Right. Um, and it was just such an incredible story. And I saw real similarities between this woman's story I heard on the radio and, and Noreen Gosh, this, this journey of um, great personal loss, right? You know, incredible personal loss. And then... Um, I'm struggling for words. Crusade is the wrong word, but then, well, just the, the journey to, to 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 reaching peace. You know, you see Noreen Gosh, and there is a woman who has reached some kind of peace. Listen to this woman who I heard on the radio today. She has reached some kind of peace, and you know, we think, God, if our, if our kids, you know, something like that happened, or or my sister, or something like that happened, I don't know if I could ever find that peace. There's, there was a story in the paper in the news a while ago, and I can't remember what it was. It was a murder, right? Oh, it was a it was a daughter in her twenties that had been murdered. Okay. And the parents forgave the murderer. I was in floods of tears at that man. I was I in mean, floods of tears at that. I suppose you just get to the point where there's literally nothing else you can do and nothing you can do to change or stop anything that you just must well, I, I mean if, I don't know. If someone's in prison point. if someone's in prison and you're furious with them and full of hatred, you're only hurting yourself and those people immediately around you. The person in prison doesn't know that you're furious, and they may even be getting, uh, you know, getting turned on by the fact that you're furious and full of hatred. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and it, it, it's being able to um, forgive... And, sort of protect yourself. Uh, what, what am I talking about? I don't know what I'm talking about because it's never happened to me. And, and Touchwood, it's never, you know, it's never going to happen to me. But you've, it's, oh, absolutely, I don't know. And those and those girls at the end as well. That oh. really got to me. Oh, the, the end, of, the end of the Johnny Gosh film, and you find out that the, the, the family, the, the two little girls. I think it's two little girls, isn't it? That that Noreen Gosh has been counselling their family. Their their bodies are found. Oh, you, I was in floods of mm. tears at that. Yeah, I was in floods of tears at that. Tris. Um, uh, Giles Martin has been moved. It's not happening this Wednesday. Okay, when's it happening? I don't know yet. Well, I'm I'm hoping this isn't the start of the long great fob off. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Oh. Uh, Tris, listen, thank you very much. I've got to move on because Nigel's on the line. Evening, Nigel. Oh, hi, Ian. Oh, hello, Nigel. Um, tonight, Ian, I'm going to be a pain uh, in the ass. Oh, no, go, go on. Sorry, what was that? I, I, you, tonight, uh, Ian, I'm going to be Elvis Presley. Hey, beautiful. <laughs> go on then. When no one else can understand me, when everything I do is wrong, you give me love and constellation. constellation. You give me strength, Have you heard the song? On, and you're always there to lend a hand in everything I do. That's the wonder. 
actually, that's all right, Nigel. Was that, that all right? That was actually all right. Yeah, I can sing the whole thing where you go up high with the tune, but... So, um... <laughs> I've, I've, <laughs> ah! I rang in to congratulate you on your video. It's fantastic, amazing. The best video I've ever seen for a long time. The Miley Cyrus one. I didn't make it. Well, you're, yeah, but your, your part in the middle is great. You're, um... You oh, know, you're coming on me. Yes, or do me say like the coming on bit. me? <laughs> My lyrics aren't coming on me. It mixes in Jesus. well with it mixes in well with the, the straight singing. The video yeah. has been made by my mate Jeff. Oh, I don't know Jeff, do I? I don't know. Do you? No, I don't know. He um, is brilliant. I'm gonna I'm gonna email Jeff because I want to sit on it until oh, I want to pre- yeah. I want to premiere it at Performance Ring on October the thirtieth. Yeah, on the 30th, yeah. I'm yeah. going to try and get a taxi to you. I've, well, I've been speaking no. to Dan about it. Well, oh, uh, God. So, you, you're so, going to get a taxi from yeah, Maidstone? Because, yeah, I can't get um, get back or, or there because they don't, nothing runs that. It'll cost you about 100 quid, won't it? Well, it won't matter. Well... As long as I, I can make an appearance. So you're going to do a thing with Dan, are you? Well, it'd be good to come on stage and, and sing the Miley Cyrus song, wouldn't it? To the, Sing to the backing tape or, or, or CD. I don't know, would it? Well, so, but that's I think gonna... that's what Dan wanted me to He wanted to sing with me, Dan, on stage. God, look at you and Dan, look at you. Mm. You and Dan, um, sitting in a tree, M-I-X-I-N-G. <laughs> anyway, whatever he said. Yeah, whatever. It'd be good if I could come, because it would promote well, the record as well, wouldn't it? So. No. But, but, yeah, but I'm very pleased with the video, and the song is great too. The whole package is great. Well... Yeah, you don't realise how good it is, how good you are. Well, I realise... <laughs> the thing is, we didn't do anything. It's all Dan that's done the magic. Yeah, your singing's good, though. The rapping's good. It is good, actually. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah better than the people we get on the, in the pop chart. Better, better than um, um, Eminem? Uh, well, I would, have, I would have said so, yeah. Katia, what do you reckon? Do you like my rapping, Katia? Uh, uh, huh? Yes. Yes, okay, I like it. I don't know. Well, it, it's not strictly rapping, is it? Well, it is strictly rapping, yeah. It's why, quick singing, anyway. Why do you say... It's quick singing, Yeah. which is a form of rap. Yeah. Quick, why quick. are you saying, Katia, that it's not strictly rapping? That's, that's, that's <laughs> confused. That's, 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 that's throwing me a googly. Because <laughs> I've heard rapping <laughs> in the hood. Right. It's not like you saying... It's my own, I, my own style. Hmm. That makes it better, really. It does. It's, it's unique. Unique, yeah. You should do it on TV more. Obsessed, what? obsessed with the TV. They, honestly, they're not going to let us go on TV and perform that rubbish. The, um, on the Voice, do that. We could do this song on the Voice. Well, <laughs> together. No. Uh, <laughs> or you could do the rapping on your you own. You could go and do it on your own. Or no? Well, I could sing to the backing tape. Yeah. I I like Miley Cyrus, no. she sings a oh, song too, she plays a guitar as well. Have you heard the Miley Cyrus song? Because that's a completely different tune. That what, Was that a different tune? Yeah, this is the tune. Mm. Yeah, I know the tune. Sometimes Miley Cyrus, she sings a song or two, she likes to play a guitar as well. It swings, 
doesn't it? It really does rock. A lovely swing to it. Cooking I didn't with think gas. you was going to do it as good as that when, when I sung it on the phone. Yeah. It, Are we still arguing about money? Uh, no. no. Oh, yes, of course. No, no, not really. But anyway... Um, it's it's uh, it's with it's, it's, it's in the process at the moment. It's what you're in doing. the process. It is, my friend Glenn mm. has registered it with iTunes. Yes, and he says I have to keep checking iTunes, and also also oh. it's going to be on Spotify as well. Now What's we don't that? get we don't get no money for Spotify. Oh. oh, it's a way that kids listen to music without having to pay for it. Yeah, but it really could. Um, well, no, I, I forgot who I'm talking to. Top it, the charts. No, it's not going to top the charts. The video could. Well, there's it's not a video be... charts. It's a good video. And the song's good as well. Well, thanks for calling, Nigel. Um, so, so you don't know when it'll be on iTunes for sale, then? Sorry? You don't know when it'll I be on iTunes for sale? I don't know. Trust me, when I find out it's on iTunes for sale, you will not be able to stop me banging on about it. Okay, because I want you. You're, you're still coming down to me, aren't you? To to make perhaps a few. Thanks more for stuff. calling, Nigel. Yes. Okay. Bye, Ian. <laughs> Cheers, Ian. Bye. Bye, 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 Catherine. But, huh? Oh, oh, no, sorry. Who's that? Katya. Uh, Katya. Katya. Hello, Katya. Hello. Bye, bye for now. Bye. Uh, um, Ian. Bye, bye, Nigel. But Ian, can you let me know when you're coming down? Uh, bye, bye, Nigel. <laughs> bye, 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 Nigel. <laughs> Bye-bye, Bye-bye, <laughs> darling. Bye-bye. Bye. A little kiss. What? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> A long kiss. Really, no. Hey, listen to, listen to my bell. No, no. Oh. Hello. I've got my Christmas jumper on. Oh, don't. Yeah, and it's got all bells fixed on it, no, so no, every time I Christmas move, the bells bell. ring. No, 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 no. Mm. Come on, it's not it's not autumn yet. You're talking about Christmas. Well, it's because I didn't have a clean jumper. Right? The only clean one is a Christmas one. So you haven't done the uh, cleaning your jumper since when? <laughs> right? good, You're not good putting bells. on a jumper now because it's really hot, is it? So yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, good night, Ian. Good night, Nigel. Bye, bye, Nigel. The bell, the bell. Oh. Bye, bye, Nigel. The bells. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> bye, Ian. L- love you. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. Bloody hell, Katty, you dragged that out a bit, mate. She didn't. Oh, is, she did. Is a bit sweet, though. So, isn't he a bit sweet? S- well, sweet's a word. Oh. I don't know if it applies. It does to Nigel. Sometimes Miley Cyrus, she sings a song for you. She yeah. plays country yeah. music as well. Yeah, you're not Nigel. Oh, yeah. gosh. Um, Katia. I've got, yes, um, this list I've got. Oh, um, a list. There's something written on it. I made it uh, on the 10th of June 2016. The day after my birthday. Oh, well, I didn't do that on purpose. So. No, well, no, you didn't. No one did. It was it was a, a an accident of of um, sex. My parents' sex. Anyway, it was an accident I'll... of my parents' sex. Imagine that, Katia. No, I'm... my parents had sex. Oh no! 
never. And they made me. Isn't that disgusting? Oh, that's beautiful. And really. they told me off when what? I had Kerry Wakeford in my bedroom once. <laughs> and her top off. What? <laughs> had her top off. You did not, did she you? She had a bra on. Oh, I? I couldn't work it out. Really? Couldn't work it out. Couldn't work it out. Couldn't work it out. Too fiddly. Ah, How well. embarrassing. Ah, well, well these things happen. No. It was oh, years ago. Yeah. It was years ago. It was years ago. I forgive him. I forgive him. It was years ago. Time. It was years ago. <laughs> be great, be great to recreate that scene no. one more time, no, though, no. without the parents. No. We're not recreating. And the br- without the bra. Uh, without the parents and the bra. bra. Let's recreate that no. scene one more time. I'm game if you are. I don't. No, Not I, you. No. I was talking to Kerry. Okay. Is she listening? Probably. She. Why wouldn't she be? Because she's yes. she's she's full of wonder and all the ifs and buts and what what could have could have been. Of course, she's listening. She must be obsessed with me. Imagine not. Imagine being an ex girlfriend of mine and not being obsessed with me. Yeah, I can't the, imagine it. She's listening. Of course, she's listening. Well, I was making love to her sweet, sweet man, but listening to Ian. <gasps> why did you have to take? Why did you have to take it down to sex, Katia? That was a little bit. You need to go to. I'm going to have a cool shower, and we'll come back to you after the news. All right? Unbelievable. I must apologise for Katia's outburst there. That was outrageous. Oh eight four 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 nine nine one thousand. Talk radio across the UK online and on DAB. We are Talk Talk Radio. Give it some lip. Talk Radio. It's the best. Least listened to late night radio show in the United Kingdom. Good evening, dear listener. This is Ian Lee. This is Talk Radio. Katia, Mike, Gatford. Uh, it could be you as well. Oh eight four 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 nine nine one thousand. I'm Ian Lee. It's midnight, and this is Talk Radio. Late night. <laughs> that was the wrong one. Did we dump that? <laughs> that was the wrong one, guys. Wow, just for a second there, just for a second, everything, it was all over. The dream was over. You heard that on Periscope. <laughs> Can I play the one I was hoping to play? Hopefully, this is the one I was, um, have you stopped? No, that one's still playing. God. Oh, dear. I tell you what, uh, when I get really tired, right, when I'm not here and I get really tired, yeah, idiot, yeah, and I get really tired, um, you know when you're sort of like you're in, when it's hot and you're a bit tired, if someone swears in a conversation, do you ever get that? I kind of, it brings me around, oh, oh, we're not on the radio, I don't have to dump that. Boy, oh boy, I had to dump that. Ah, dear, this is what I was hoping to play. Sometimes life may feel like it's sucking you up, but it's not, it may just be you.
you heard that, Katya, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. You, had, you had the rude version. Sometimes oh, stop it! I'm worried now. Um, Gatford? Yeah? Gatford and uh, Catford, Catford, Gatford, say good evening. Good evening, Catford. Okay, who's going first? Ladies first. Okay, Katya, you have got 60 seconds. Your time starts right. now. Are you ready? Uh... Are you ready? Oh, she's out. She said yes. Gatford, your turn. You've got 60 seconds. Your time starts now. Are you ready? I am. Okay. What's your name? Gary. Gatford. Uh, um, what's your real name? Gary. Gary. Do you know that, that Glitter did a lot of damage to that name? Yeah. Well, he did a lot of damage to a lot worse than yes. just the name. Sure, but... Were you, no a, were, were you... No can be can... honest. Be honest, Gatford. Were you, were you a bit of a fan of Gary Glitter? Not really, no. Hey! He's out! Oh, damn it. Katia, uh, your turn. Time starts now. Are you ready? Okay. Are you, well, are you ready or not? I, uh, yes. Hey! Gatford, your turn. Okay. Time hasn't started yet, so you can say, you can say it. Are you ready? I am ready. You can say it, because the time hasn't, the time literally hasn't started. I don't need to. Okay, time starts... Now, um, Good. what's your favourite film? Seven. Really? Yeah. Hey! Oh, hey! This is easy. It's like, this is worse than playing it with my kids. And my kids will sit there for ages going, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that. Do you, do, you, do you go to school? Certain, my, my, eldest is, my eldest is brilliant, right? You can't beat him. I go, do you go to school? Certainly I do. <laughs> he answers it like that. <laughs> What Absolutely. lessons do you have? French. Do you enjoy French? Certainly I do. <laughs> Katia, time starts now. Are you ready? No. Hey! No. Gatford! Clock starts now. What did, you, what did you do today, Gatford? Work. Hard? Um, maybe. You were hard when you were working, you pervert. That's fabulous. Sorry? That's libelous. It's not libelous. It's not libelous to suggest you can get an erection. But I didn't. It's, com- it's, compl- it's complimentary, isn't it? Complicated, not complimentary. Yeah, very complicated. Whereabouts do you yeah. work? You work in London? I do, yes. We'll do- I work hey! In- I don't really care. I'm not really interested in where you work. I was just using a subterfuge to get you to say yes. I subterfuged you. Can I check something about this before I'm drink? I'm just too, you know, Nigel from Maidstone is coming and he's going to okay. sing, yeah? Yeah. And Alan Paddock isn't coming and would have done a 14-minute grease medley. Here's the thing, right? I want my money back. Here's the thing, right? Cause, I cause want my money back. I, as far, I, 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 this is the first I've heard about Nigel performing with Daniel. I know Daniel's performing, and what Daniel's got planned is pretty awesome, right? I'm not, I'm not going to reveal people's acts. Because I, I, it's, you know. Uh, but what Daniel's got planned is, is pretty awesome. But I didn't know that Nigel was part of it. Do you think Daniel does? Pardon? Do I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what those guys guys are up to. Katia, are you ready? I don't. Time starts now. Katia. Yes. Ah! Whispering don't count, girl. Uh-huh. Datford. Time starts now. Right. Uh, uh, last film you saw. Oh, good, good, good. What's the last wait, film you saw? Why does he get the questions? And I just you, 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 you go, you go. Do you know, Katia? No, 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 do you no, know no. what the rules of the that's game are yet? Yeah, that's not fair. No wonder you're out of the EU. Do you know what the rules of the game are no. yet? Exactly. I... No. Does that mean I'm out because she said it? 
What do you think? Not sure. Say that again, because your phone broke up. I'm not sure. Do you get the rules, Gatford? I do. Okay, great. So your time starts now. Gatford. Right. Would would Hello. you would you be able to explain the rules to Katia, please? Yes, there are two. Oh! Oh! Right, Katia. Time starts now. Are you ready, Katia? Sorry? Are you going no? No! Oh, she's out! Right, Gatford, your turn! Okay. Time's are you ready, Gatford? I am. Time starts now. Are you ready now? I am. Can you explain the rules to Katia, please? There are two words, Katia, that you cannot say. I cannot say them, but they're words that both of you have said before when oh. you have said start the clock. The idea is is that you don't say them. Oh. And that the is one of the words, is them. one of the words, Gatford, maybe? Oh. You've got to answer the question, Gatford, otherwise oh. you're out. Yeah. Oh, you, what, what a time to pretend your phone... Is your phone... Are you, are you moving around, Gatford? I'm standing perfectly still. Are you sure? Well, go back to where you were at the start of this phone conversation. I am. Are you? Right now, I have. Are you, where, whereabouts you stood? I'm just... Well, go back to... Because your phone keeps breaking up, man. Is it... Okay. Am, I bre- am I breaking up when I'm speaking to you? It's a fire. Oh, this is... This is... This... You can't... No, disqualification. You can't... You can't play it with a, with a dodgy phone. Right, Katia, t- time starts now. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay, right. Katia, what did you call in for? I called in uh, about um, the list. The, the list. I By the way, in. do you seriously think, for, just for a second, forget everything else, do you seriously think my, my rapping isn't very good? Uh, yeah. Oh! <laughs> I don't care what you think about my rapping. It was a subterfuge. <laughs> I can't believe I said I think your rapping is very much in the style of Zig or Zag. <laughs> Lots of people have uh, lots of people yeah. have said that. Yes, right. Can, can someone please get to the point of this tedious phone call? Not really. No. <laughs> okay. Fine. Uh, if, I, if I'm honest, I'm I don't really right. have one. Katia, what have you got? Katia, what have you got for us? Hey, Lars, I got in contact with uh, Neil Loons for the act that I want to do on uh, on um, when is it? The thirtieth of oh. October. Right. Yes. Yes. Did she say Walloons? No, Neil Noons. Oh. Neil, Neil Balloons. Noons from the ship. Neon Balloons. Hello, well, this is the ship. You're listening to Radio 4, and this is the what? shipping forecast. Are you, is she say, I, I hope she's saying <laughs> shipping. Is she going to just read out the shipping forecast? Yeah. That would be great. <laughs> so, what a polite man that he is. I sent him an email, and it took him only 30 minutes to decline my offer. Who declined your offer? Neil Balloons? Neil Noons. Neil Moon? Neil Noons. Neil Boobs? No! Honestly, I'm not being obtuse now. I genuinely don't know what you're saying. Could you spell it, Kat? There's a gentleman with a with a beautiful voice like honey. Oh, the man who took up your board. You're listening to Radio Four. Neil Nunes. Yes, yes. So he he's part of the plan because. But uh, he's turned he's turned you down. uh, Yeah, because I want to make a documentary for Radio Four, and I thought, well, let's start with Neil Nunes because he could announce it. Well, I didn't really say that. Well, I was very professional also asking the question. But anyway, so he's not... Did you mention... Hang on, did you mention me in this email? I didn't! Good. I was professional! Good, don't mention... Don't drag me into into your, um... 
you I saw did. Katya's voice went really high then when she was the <laughs> Well, that's why we kicked him out. Oh, that's okay. But uh, that's the thing. So I want to. I'm going to make a documentary. I'm good. Um, there's this man in Grantham who is uh, well, just. Well, I'm not going to tell his story because. No. Uh, that's or his name. That's how, how long is the documentary going well, to be? It's not going to be too long because I know that you want material for in between 10 and 12 minutes. And I can count. Right. I can count the minutes. So, uh, and uh, we're going to have images with the, with the documentary. I know what a documentary what about is. The ne- what about the neon lights? Well. The neon balloons. Are you having those still? It's not. It's, um, it's the fifth. We've just missed it. We've just what? missed it. We've just missed it. But it's still in America. It's the 50th anniversary of the monkeys yesterday. Today? Well, yes, mm. yesterday. You missed it. Well, I did, did didn't I? Did you miss it? I missed it. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, anniversary. I missed that. I missed that. Yeah. Why didn't you send a message to Devons on Twitter? Do what? You sent a message to Devons on Twitter, didn't you? Yeah, I wish them a happy 50th anniversary. So you didn't miss it at all, then? Well, but I missed it in terms of the radio. I meant to, was going to do, the whole show's going to be about it. I'll have to wait, wait another 50 ah. years now. Balls. Anyway, well, I'm going to cut you by thought. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. There we go. Um, literally no idea what those two were banging on about. Um, yeah, got fil- films are being shown as part of uh, performance. Got some films. Got someone performing via Skype. What? 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 That's modern. Yeah, doing it. Well, you can't do that. Convention says you can't... Convention can stick it. I don't care. When we did... Um, do you remember Merton? Do you remember Merton, the piano guy? He looked like Ben Folds from Ben Folds 5. And he would go on chat roulette. And um, you remember him, yeah? He'd go on chat roulette and he'd make up songs. And people were like, Whoa, what's this, man? And he'd be like, sing the song. And everyone thought it was Ben Folds for ages, and it wasn't. Um, and I, I sort of became friends with Merton, and he came over to the UK... And he came on the radio show I was doing on Absolute, and I took him to like an open mic night. We found this open mic night in London, and he rocked up in the full Merton thing with the anorak and the glasses and stuff. And he got up and just and he just imp- improvised songs, and they were very funny. Um, we had him on on set the agenda once. We had him on via Skype. Um, so what I'm saying is, um, people are doing stuff on Skype at live venues now, but I did it six years ago. Hit the break. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. Mike is on the line. Good evening, Mike. Hi, Ian. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you, uh, Mike. It's been a stressful um, mixture of emotions last week, but Mm. at this precise moment in time, I'm enjoying the show, and that's all I can hope for. So, yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Mike. What have you got for us? That is positive. Um, Two things. Oh, you're not meant to say that anymore, are you? Apologies. Well, I, you know, no, you can. It's just some. It's funny. Some people phone up a talk radio show, and there's a, there's a trick, right? There's, there's a trick mm. that some people have learned, and some people do it subconsciously, and some people do it deliberately. And I don't like the the the. Uh, I get turned off a bit by the people that do it deliberately, right? If you phone up a talk radio show, there is a chance you will not get to say everything that you want to say, and the host will will fade you down and cut you off before you've said mm. everything you want to say. You can come away think, oh, I didn't get, but I didn't. But if you come on and say, well. There are three points I'd like to make. Then that kind of then puts the pressure on the host um, to 
stick with those three points, even if the first two are really dull. Or the worst thing is, there are three points I'd like to make. But before I do, can I just say, oh, so there's a fourth point you want to make that doesn't count as a point, but you still want to make it. No, 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 no. Chitty chatty. Come and have a chitty chatty. Come and have a little chitty chat. That's all it is. Little chit chat. All it is. At least he's coming up on him. That's the main thing. You're the one in charge. Yeah, I am. And um, a, a good, I think a good radio host will not will not take this flim flam of. There are three points I'd like to make, and then sticking with the three points. Saying that, Mike, we've got no other callers after you, so you can stay for as long as you want, boss. Oh wait, four 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 nine nine one thousand. Well, the first one we say: Have you ever seen the show, or have any of the listeners ever seen the show Friday Night Dinner? I have never seen it. I'm aware of it. It's got what, the uh, in between the room with the glasses, hasn't it? And I think is it. It's not got. It's not. Is that the one that's written by Rob Popper? Yes. Okay. I used to work with Rob. Yes. I, okay. Right. Well, Mark. Well, the, the key thing is it's also got Mark Heap in it, who I quite like. Actually, he's a very good actor. I think. Which one's he? Jim uh, Bell, the weird and extol. I think he's based on. I genuinely think he's based on Nigel from Maidstone. Wow. Nigel's been around for a long time yep. in radio stations. Yeah, don't let's not let's not inflate the um, the ego of um, him any more than we have to. There is, and it's just it's just that very second I thought it because when he was uh, proposing to kiss Catcher and for Catcher to ring his bell, that is nearly well. Maybe he was just copying Friday Night Dinner, but it's very reminiscent. Oh, I well, I've not seen it enough to get the quote. It's quite, you know, it's a kind of show, it's a good, I like kind of popcorn shows, you don't really have to engage, it's just blatant, it's funny, it does what it says on the tin, it's worth chilling out to, I think. Okay, I will check it out. But the main, the main reason why I rang is I think I have found the Gary Glitter um, Desert Island Discs. Well, no, 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 no. If what you're about to tell me is the Arena documentary, I've seen it. Uh, well, that's not. Well, that's not. And it's a great. It's a great documentary. That's on YouTube. It's it's an arena documentary from I think about 1982 when Gary is making one of his many comebacks. There are two great Gary Glitter documentaries on YouTube. There is the arena documentary. There is also a film where he joins Jerry Cottle's circus. Um, they they but both Jerry Cottle and Gary Glitter have fallen on hard times, and in an attempt to um, boost both audiences. They make Gary Glitter's Rock and Roll Circus, right? And it's so it's the circus with all the animals. And I think it's still got animals in and, and the trapeze artists and stuff. But then Gary Glitter comes and does a concert in the middle. And there's one scene where he is wearing short shorts. It's very unpleasant. Um, and basically the whole thing is, is, is such, it's such an incredible film. The whole thing is a massive, massive flop. And um, it ends up with Jerry Cottle and Gary Glitter not talking. Gary does a runner. Um, it, as he usually does when when the going gets tough, um, and he he he, he runs off. It's a great film, but no, the arena thing. It, it's got bits of it's got bits of the um, desert island discs, but not the whole thing. I see. That's what I did. I scanned through when I saw the island disc. It's strange or something like that because you're looking for cues of you, you're yeah. looking for clues of him being a paedophile. Yeah, you're trying to. But I mean, it's a little bit weird, a little bit camp. It's weird. You can't watch it without that preconception. Well, it's not a preconception without that flat I, um, into your mind. The thing about Gary Glitter, right? And this this documentary, when it gets made, this is kind of what sort of sort of the, some of the things you look at. I, I like his music. I like his music, and the reason I, I know that arena thing so well is, hey, I saw it years and years ago, but um, over Christmas when I was miserable because I'd lost my job, mm. I fell down a Gary Glitter rabbit hole. 
Um, and I was watching loads and loads of stuff on YouTube. Loads of stuff. The arena thing and the, the Jerry Cottle thing and um, uh, the This Is Your Life and um, loads of TV appearances from the early 80s, from the mid-80s, actually, when I, when I was kind of into him and stuff. And had Gary Glitter, were Gary Glitter not, you know, the most horrific paedophile, mm. you know, if if that aspect... If 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 he hadn't, oh God, this you got, whatever I say, I'm going to offend people. So I'm just going to blurt it out in a, in a, in, in a way, and, and and people will know that I'm just thinking off the back foot. If he hadn't pursued that avenue of um, criminal sex and you know and and child rape, right? Mm. Um, a, 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 and he had lived a normal, you know, a normal sexual lifestyle, he would now be Sir. Gary Glitter, and he would be... You watch those things, you're right, he's just this big camp old queen, right? He's like Chris Biggins. He would. He's like a big pantomime dame. And he would be an absolute legend and a superstar, and, and he would probably be knighted by now. And I, I do... I do just... It, I, it 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 breaks my heart on so many levels, so many so many levels. It's, uh, I ran out of steam in that sentence. Did you fight? Did you pick up on it? Not uh, really. Yeah, but it I just, it, it, I just I just I just I do like to play the the alternate reality game. As a lot of fans of bands do, there's a lot of Beach Boys fans that play alternate realities. What if Dennis hadn't died? What if Carl had stayed? And I like to play that with Gary Glitter. And other bands, but what if Gary Glitter hadn't been a paedophile? Where would he be now? He'd be an absolute flipping legend. He'd probably be. A, he'd probably have a show on here. He'd be. He'd certainly be in here as a guest at least, at least once every other month, you know. Um, and he didn't, you know. He's. 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 Um, it would be a national treasure. You're right, um, but he didn't, and he's. He's. He's a horrible sex offender. That. That most people. Most people. Not all. And I spent some time with uh, the tiny minority. Think it was a stitch up. A tiny minority think he was really? stitched up. Oh yeah. I spent an evening with someone a few weeks ago. Very, very nice people. Very nice people. A young lad, he's about 26, and we, uh, you know, we were waiting to see the Glitter Band, and he rubbed his hands with glee and went, only five years until the release party. Jesus. Gee whiz. Yeah, gee whiz. And, um, you know, wowzers. Wowzers and and more, you know, and more, more, more. Well, the conversation went into further places, and uh, I'd love to meet someone like that. They're out there. They're they're this out there. So intriguing. It, this is why. Thank you. This is why I'm making this documentary. So you'll get to hear people like this. You'll get to hear people. Some of the stuff is is remarkable. And the weird thing is, right? The reason I found all these people is because if you go on the internet, there are these dark little corners. Some of them are not quite so dark. Where people set up, I, I'm a member on Facebook for researching this documentary, but also, well, primarily for researching to make contact with people. I'm a member of about three Gary Glitter fan pages on Facebook. Right now, you take that out of context. There's a story for your Daily Mail. You lazy gits. You want to write a story? Ian Lee is, is Gary Glitter Facebook page. I did it so I can get in contact with certain people. Um, so my my timeline on Facebook because I'm not really I've not got many friends like about f- six seven eight friends on Facebook and I'm a member of some monkeys pages and some Gary Glitter pages, so my timeline on Facebook is full of videos and clips and photos of Gary Glitter and it's interesting talking to these people because loads of these fans, well they're very secretive about it because they get called nonces and they get called nonce lover 
and they're they're accused of being paedophiles themselves, which, of course, I would suggest a significant majority are not. A significant majority don't agree with what Gary Glitter did, but they like the music. A small minority think it was a stitch-up, and that at worst... At worst, all he did, all he did was download child pornography. That's kind of their argument. I, of course, you know, appreciate that downloading child Mm. pornography is a vile crime. And I even had a conversation with one, a woman, who, um, she she said, at worst, all he did was download child pornography. Now, that's, you know, that's bad, but really, in the great scheme of things, it's not that bad. Her her, paraphrasing her words, not mine. And then after a few bevies, she she confessed that she thought he did have sex with a 12-year-old girl, but, but, she was asking for it. What? Women mature quicker than men. She'd been introduced to him by her parents... Her parents left her alone with him, um, and it was only once. Can I put the cat amongst the pigeons with that? Wasn't Jimmy Page in a relationship with an underage girl who, who he flew across the world? This is this is the thing. This is the thing. Yeah, and that's out there as 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 a fact, as a, 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 a rock and roll fact. You know, a, a, a young girl. Um, drugs were involved. Um, taking, traveling across state lines were involved, and I'm, I'm hesitating from saying it, but it's a fact, and it's in books. I've read it in books. I've, you know, it's 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 a fact. It's out there. But you know, and Bill Wyman, how old was um, Mandy Smith? Fourteen, I think she was thirteen when they first, you know, became romantically involved. Bill Wyman famously tells a story about when, um, like Glitter and Savlon that came out. He, he either phoned up or went to the local police and, they, and said to them, I suppose you'll be wanting a word with me. And they went, nah, don't worry, we're not interested. So it, it does, you know, it, it could be argued. Let's, let's, let's play um, Devil's Advocate, shall we? Because it's a fun game to play. But I flag up, I'm playing Devil's Advocate because some people will not hear that bit, right? It could be argued that Gary Glitter is... Getting the is getting a severe such a severe punishment because he was a joke musically he was a joke, mm. and Jimmy Page is a rock god. Oh, it's Laurie Maddox. If you Google Laurie Maddox, Laurie Maddox there's a yeah. picture of her mm. and Jimmy. She does not look mature. I think you. David Bowie may have had a relationship with her. As, as, that as, also as, as, Google as well at, at some point. And of course, we don't uh, don't trust everything that isn't it funny. I'm I'm nervous about going there, but it's out there. It's out there. I refuse, um, I refuse to Google the Bowie bit. I'm, I'm such a fan of David Bowie. Yeah, I, I yeah, David, David, David Bowie. In my own mind. Yeah, yeah, David Bowie. I mean, all kinds of shenanigans. Oh, I don't know. Where, where are we on Jackson as well these days? You know, and again, we've got to tread carefully because the estate of Michael Jackson, yeah, you can't libel the dead, but the estate of Michael Jackson, boy, they is litigious. But, you know, where are we on Jackson these days? You know, it, it's, it's, it, oh, I don't know. Anyway. He's one where I've rationaled that in my own head. Because yeah, he was massive. He was massive when I was like eight, nine, ten, twelve. Um, and I've always thought, well, he probably did sleep in beds with children, which is no crime. That's not a crime. Uh, but then it was probably all innocent because he was a child himself. And I've created a yeah. scenario where it's okay for no reason. And of course, it's not okay. For, how old was he when he died? Was he forty, fifty, something like that? 55. It's not. It's not okay for a man in his twenties, thirties, forties. 
to sleep in bed with with kids. Not okay for 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 you know for any man to sleep in bed with kids that aren't his own. And no, even then, no, you no. know, there's there's kind of there's kind of limits. Do you know when Michael Jackson died? I was in Thailand suffering from. Are we really honest? I'm going to be a little bit disgusting. The worst diarrhea I've ever had, and I was so dehydrated, Gosh. I was incredibly confused. It was like four in the morning. Yeah, couldn't even drink water. I was so confused. And it was on the news that Michael Jackson was dead, and I thought it was very, very, very strange scenario. I was I was filming the Persuasionists when we we were all outside. People were having a fag um, where Michael Jackson uh, died. So we we were we were suffering just as much as you were in uh, in many cases, Mike. Mike, I've got to move on. Thank you for that. No, it's fine. It's fine. This, it's 31, 0844 I'm Ian Lee. This is Talk Radio. Uncut after-hours conversation for the up-all-night generation. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. I um, did some filming today at the Tate Britain. Um, very nice to be asked. Thank you very much. I'm not quite sure what I was being filmed for. Um, all I know is I, I couldn't quite get the handle on what they wanted. Either it wasn't being explained brilliantly. I, I suspect it, the fault probably lay with me not understanding it. And um, then they, they jokingly said, well, it's what we're paying you for. And I went, no, I'm not getting paid. Huh? I wasn't getting paid. did it as a freebie because I thought it would be interesting to do. And I, it, it, it was this interesting uh, art exhibition. I had to film a little thing about that. Um, but part of the film, I had to wear a suit. So I'm looking smart on the thing, but I had to wear a suit. And I had to stand in a room that can only be described as a migraine room. If you wanted to give people a migraine, this was the room. And I had to keep um, zoning out and taking myself to the phrase is a happy place. Because otherwise I would have had a migraine. I could feel I could feel the, the, the vibrations of a migraine coming. And um, it was a really tiny dark room. And it had three projectors in it that were were, were generating a lot of heat. Right, I got the suit on and it's dark, and then I had to stand in front of these screens where this projection was being screened, and and kind of stare at it. So I'm in a hot, dark room, standing too close to a projection and and reading it, flipping it. My eyes were going all bugly, they were going all over the place. I thought I am gonna puke up in the Tate Britain, and that is not well. I could call it up. You put, put a frame around it, call it up. Oh, beautiful, Cushley, it's half a million quid. Thank you very much. Adam's on the line. Good evening, Adam. Oh, hi there. Um, hi, Ian. Um, just wanted to touch base with you in regards to the documentary you recommended. Um, I've got a documentary which I think you probably might enjoy watching. Go on, man, what is it? Um, called Searching for Sugar Man. Oh, yeah, what's it about? Um, it's quite... Well, I don't want to actually spoil it, but it's about a musician who is quite big in South America. Do you know what? Um, I, 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 I've, I've, seen, I've seen Searching for Sugar Man. Oh, you have seen it? Yeah, I have. Uh, and the reason I ask is because um, I used to wind up, when I, when I used to work with Catherine at another place, we worked with a young lady called Kelly. And I would wind them both up by going, because I would keep banging on about Searching for Sugar Man about, and about how great it was. And they didn't really appear particularly interested. But I would keep going on. And every day I'd go, it's about this bloke, right? And in 1968, he recorded these two albums and no one bought... And I would just tell them the plot over and over again. I must have told them the plot about 100 times. It's a good film, that, isn't it? 
It's, it's a very good film. Very good film. Um, good little mystery and very good music. Too. I was. Do you know what I was? Um, I was in Costa yesterday, and a song popped up. Really interesting music they were playing in Costa. I thought, oh, this is a good song. What is it? And I couldn't work out. I thought, I know that voice. And it was a, it was um, a searching for Sugar Man thing. I can't remember oh, what his oh. name is. I can't remember what his, the guy's name um, is. Uh, Rodriguez. Say that again. Rodriguez. Um, Rodriguez. Yeah, they were playing a Rodriguez song. Oh and, wow! Yeah, it was just right. What they do, the film is really clever, right? Because they miss out a huge part of the Rodriguez story in the. He played some quite big concerts in Australia about four or five years before he did that South African tour. Okay. So they they kind of missed that bit out, but it's it's yeah. it's it keeps coming over here, and um, I keep um got meaning to go and see him. Have, hang on a minute. Have, let's, let's, oh, it's an advert. Why do they put adverts on YouTube? Why why are people trying to generate money out of their crappy YouTube? Uh, it's, I'm going to play a little bit of it. But there's a, the obvious song is Sugar Man, but there's a really good song from the second album, and I can't think what it is, and I don't think I've got, I don't think I've got this, the albums on my computer. Hang on, a, hang on a minute, stay there, stay there, stay there. Don't, no, nobody move. Rodriguez, Pulp, Remy Nicole, Rod Stewart, Roger McGuinn. No, I haven't got it. I haven't got it. Anyway, this is. Sugar Man. Won't you hurry? Cause I'm tired of these scenes. For a blue coin, won't you bring back? Try to think. Shut up. That, that, that song annoys me. Uh, uh, there's a song <clears throat> on the second album. Hang on a minute. Yeah. Rodriguez. That's absolutely stunning. Albums. Hang on a minute. You're not in a rush, are you, Adam? Um, no, no. No, Fine, stay there. Coming from reality. Is it co- coming from reality? All right. So we want coming from reality track listing. If this will be this will be worth it. Um, this will be worth it. Trust me. Um, it might be this. Um, hang on a minute. It might be this. It might be. It might be. It might be this. It might be this. Here we go. Here we go. This could be it. This could be the song. This could be the song. Here we go. Here we go. This is it. This is it. This is it. Cause it's short. Here we go. Listen. Here we go. I'm only halfway up the stairs, not up or down. I'm only halfway up the stairs since you let me down. So won't you tell me, tell me please What you're gonna do Cause you know I wouldn't be halfway with you I don't wanna seem impatient And please don't think me fast But we've got something going Gonna do Cause you know 
way, be right up there. Uh, that's, some, that's some voice, isn't it, Adam? Yeah, yeah. Oh, what's the name of that song? That is Halfway Up the Stairs. I believe um, Kermit stole it. Here's, isn't that right? You like that? Right, we speak, we speak of the same language. I think I've shocked Catherine with a rude tweet that I sent to um, Angelos. Is, is it too much? Too much? You like that? Yeah, yeah. Have you, mean... seen, have you seen a band called Death? No. Mate, that's my gift to you. Find it. Find it. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's another uh, film about a lost band. A band called Death. It's a great film. I'll definitely check it out. And um, one question: I don't get the whole who took Johnny documentary. Why you recommended it? It's quite, quite dark for yeah. your story. Yeah, we can. But we. But we can do. Um, it's. It's not all um, laughter and sunshine and unicorns. No, no, I appreciate that, but sometimes, you know, you've rejected people talking about politics, you know, when the whole EU exit thing was happening. Well, I think there's a difference between, I think there's a difference between um, uh, Brexit and a kid being kidnapped for a child sex ring. I don't know, but I I never rejected people for talking about Brexit. If people wanted to talk about it, I just, I just found it boring. Um, But this film um, connected with me. And I don't know if it's because I'm a dad. I don't know if it's mm. because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I, you know, I was a teenage boy once. I don't know why. I don't know if it's the mum. Um, I don't know. But the, the, the film, the film did something to me. Brexit didn't do anything to me. No, no, no I'll just give you an example. Like, you know, a serious sort of topic. And, you know, you'd be kind of saying you don't want to talk about that for this sort of topic. Example. Well, but what's, go, go, give me a specific example. What, what, when have I said I don't want to, what have I said? Remind me. Um, back in June, you're like, we don't want to talk about Brexit. Yeah, but Brexit, but that, but do you not see the inherent difference between that? Because ev- ev- everyone on phone and radio, everyone on, um, and I'm glad you're bringing this up, I'm not having a go or anything, it's interesting. Um, but everyone on phone and radio was talking about Brexit, and I just thought it would be nice to have a little oasis that, um, wasn't about Brexit. I, th- I think you're comparing apples with oranges, and I, I, I think the two are incomparable. There was there was a reason for not wanting to talk about Brexit, and uh, I, it just it, it just didn't Im- it, it didn't touch me, and no, everyone else was doing because, it. You no, know, I, I I listen to you because I don't want to listen to that sort of thing. You know, I want to switch off from not real life as such, but yeah, switch off something quite serious. And when you mention that, I was like, okay, I will check it out. Watch the end of that. Ooh, right. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I, I, but I think I flagged up. Uh, I hope I flagged up I- I- enough in advance that it was it was grim. Yeah, you did. You did. Um, well, you said that I don't watch it if you got involved in. You know, I, I well depends what show uh, you mentioned there, but you did give us a heads up about how. The thing is, here's the thing, Adam. Right. Last week I crashed my car. Right, it was totally my fault totally my fault and it was i felt humiliation i felt shame and i was in pieces i was in absolute pieces on the m4 went into the back of this fella who was absolutely the most decent gentleman you could ever hope to crash into and um we were talking and we were both in shock and we were both doing that thing where we were holding out our hands and our hands were shaking and i burst into tears i burst into tears with this fella on the m4 right and i sat in my car and i cried for about 20 minutes and i drove home and here's what i was thinking right 
I was thinking, I'm going to go home and kill myself. Genuinely, this is what I was thinking. This isn't, you know, me being, being shy. I was genuinely thinking, mm. I'm going to go home and I'm going to kill myself. Because it, I, I felt so ashamed that I had lost focus on the road for just a second. And I, I ploughed into the back of this car. And, and that is where my head takes me. When I feel ashamed and when I feel less than and when I have low self-esteem and when everything seems really bleak, I was thinking, right, I'm going to go home. I'm gonna, I know some woods. I'm going to go and hang myself in the woods. Now, that didn't last more than 20 minutes, right? But for 20 minutes, I thought, I decided I'm going to kill myself. There's, there's, there's no point in this. This, this is going to cost me a fortune. I've ruined my car. I've, blah, 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 blah. Um, and now I'm able with the, but now I'm able with the clarity to go. Well, it's it's a broken car, and my insurance will go up next year, and that's a pain in the ass, and I've had to get a higher car, and that's cost a fortune, uh, but that's a pain in the ass. But the the point I'm trying to get across is, I am trying to make this radio show as as honest a reflection of me as I can do. That's all I can do, right? Is make this as an honest reflection of me as I can do, and I think that I have in the and it's it's evolving all the time i think i have in the recent past tried to make the whole thing jolly and a laugh and oh alan caddick you're a bell end and oh gatford i'm going to fade you off but not let you make you i tried to make the whole thing too jolly and that's not me that's not me i've realized like there, there are bits of me that are jolly and bits that like twitting around but actually yeah. there's some heavy stuff going on in my head man and in my soul and um, no, I, I wouldn't mind expressing it a little bit. That's but, fair enough. No, um, and, and, I, and I take what you're saying on board completely, completely, and I'm aware that, that, that it might not all work for you, and that's groovy, man, and it might not all work for everyone, and that's groovy. It's probably my mindset. Yeah, I'm 25, so I'm not going to always think the same sort of spectrum as you. But no, I, I get what you're saying, but I didn't expect that sort of documentary. No. Um, but it's fine, like you explained, you know, makes sense what, you, what you're saying. And um, maybe it doesn't impact you as much, for a whole heap of reasons, but maybe it is the age thing, and I don't mean this in a condescending, patronising way, but maybe um, if I had seen that film as a 25-year-old man, I would, it would impact me differently, or not at all, than it does to a 43-year-old dad, which is what I am yeah. now, and I was a 25-year-old man once, years ago, man. Yeah. <laughs> but also it's an hour, also um it's an hour of radio you know uh, if if it if it doesn't work if it, you know if it's if it's only an hour of radio a week I'm doing that doesn't work for you that's still pretty good hit rate no no I I actually do enjoy your show I did enjoy the conversation with the um with the filmmakers you brought in today yeah just I didn't expect that, and you did give us warnings. In that okay. I couldn't reflect that documentary, and um, that documentary with your show. Yeah, I connect it. And which is fair enough, you know. You explain like you know you've like, got kids and everything, and it did have an impact, but it didn't have an impact on me in the sense that you mentioned you were crying and stuff towards the end. Yeah, Limerson family, like the recent family who lost their child. I just found that quite depressing to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. But I burst, I burst into tears when I read but the, the little girls were found dead in the woods. Oy. Um, but again, I think it's, uh, it, it's, um, it's different for different ages and for different backgrounds and for being a parent and not being a parent. And, and depressing is, is, you know, it's okay to watch a film and feel depressed off of the back of it. I had a really good point and I just, I just completely lost my, my train of thought. Um, I'll try and make the next one a bit lighter. 
How's about that? I will. I will. Because well, I, I tweeted, right, I tweeted halfway through watching that film, oh, I think I found the next film for Film Ring. And then the, the, uh, the filmmakers got in touch and said, oh, we can come on and talk about it. And then as the film progressed, I, w- I wish I'd not made that tweet until I'd seen the whole film. Because <laughs> I, 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 I might have thought differently and I sort of felt a bit committed to it. But I did um and ah for a long time about whether we should do that as a Film Ring. I, I, I spoke to Kath about it and I we mean- did kick it around I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it was a good film like it's a good film yeah I'm disappointed you know, with the whole story like there was no conclusion like, like story for the family there was no conclusion i nothing ever concluded and just carried on as not like as you know, carried on as the last 30 years um but it was a good film like the genre and I really appreciate you. Um, uh, you, you I, I appreciate you that conversation we just had for the last ten minutes, Adam. I'm, I, 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 you know, I'm not in any way upset or offended. I'm, I'm glad that we could kick it around a bit. I kind of it was kind of playing up on me every time I listened to your sounds. Like, oh, I watched that documentary and didn't really. Like, I mentioned to my colleagues, like, don't watch this for this reason. Yeah, but. It's still a good film, like, you know. It's got good ratings on, like, mentioned that. Oh, the viewing um, figures on Periscope when we were talking about it—they started off really high, and they went straight down to about a hundred, which is kind um, of, you know, because everyone's going, "Why is he not? Why is he not um, being funny? Why is this is boring. Why is he not being funny and shouting?" Well, you know. Um, that, another documentary on Netflix, which I found like the yeah. other week, um, called "All This Mayhem" about skateboarders. All right, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. I'm a sucker Um, for documentaries. All this mayhem. If you you don't know anything about skateboarding, well, it's a very interesting story. It's got loads of drug use and stuff like that, but the whole story is going up and going down in terms of career-wise. It's pretty good. Um, Two brothers, um, Australia, New America, to make it big with Tony Hawk's competing competing against Tony Hawk's. But worth checking out. It's on Netflix. It's got pretty good ratings. Oh, I never try. I never. All my favourite um, docs on um, and Adam, thank you for that. The, the line's going a bit, bit faint. All my favourite films on Netflix have got terrible ratings. <laughs> got, Kung Fu Elliot's got like one star. Yes, I'm in. Um, I'm really late for the break. Let's have it now. Unmissable late night radio with the original king of unconventional conversation. Make contact with Ian Lee. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. Um, so literally a quarter of the tickets for the Christmas performance ring have sold out. Wow. Ticketsource.co.uk slash Ian dash Lee. Um, we've had about half a dozen emails to people who want to submitting acts for the Christmas one already. Are they festive? Um, well, um, but we have to host the first one yeah. on October the 30th. What will you be doing? I'll be... Because um... you can't just go up and go, <laughs> oh, that one's so good. Here's... Why not? Um... That's what they do on The X Factor. You've got... A, you've got That's the... what you'll be doing. No, the, the trick of a good compare mm. is to make the acts look good. Right. So we've got to be rubbish. Oh, I can do that. You can do that better, though. I'll watch you. Do you want to do... I mean, we'll do some of it together, but yeah. then we'll do some bits on our own. Yeah. I'm... I'll get up and do a little solo turn. I'll play a little song on my ukulele. Oh no! Hang on a minute. Well, you got to do. You've got to do something. You can't honestly. You can't just go up there as a compare and go. Well, that was Steve, <laughs> and now it's Tony. You got because otherwise I've got to do a turn. You never told me this. Well, otherwise the night will be over in about an hour. Mm. That's what everyone wants, though, isn't it? Get Jim, in, get out, never speak of it again. Jim, the dancer is going to be performing. By the way, I, I, I'm not. I'm deliberately not going to tell 
people what their act if people want to go on twitter and say what their act is then that's beautiful i'm not going to spoil the surprise uh, of saying what the acts are um but i know that jim the dancer is, is going to be performing he is over the moon that he's taking part and it was his it, it was him calling in that, yeah. that prompted this uh i was looking craziness i was looking at some of his videos today yeah Gosh, he goes to town with those. Um, oh, he puts a lot of work into yeah, it. Yeah, the costumes. You wait, you wait until. I saw him doing one with a ship on his head. Yeah, yeah it's good that one, isn't it? Well, he's already. And something... another one, right, where yeah. he was doing in the bush. Yeah, I don't know in the bush. Well, it looked like he'd made a bush. Oh yeah. To put on his head. Yeah. But he was peeping out of what can only be described. Go on, say it. Well, it looked like um, a giant VJ. It did. Yeah. Wow, good for him. Or was it just a badly? Knitted balaclava. Um, he's asked me what costume I would like him to wear. Right, not the bush one. Um, I, I want him to just... He's, the thing is, you, you make me such a nice bloke, mm. Jim. I've, I've met him a few times. He's such a decent bloke. And um, it, it, isn't it nice that this is this has all come because um, he lost his mate Dennis. And mm. Dennis, it was Dennis's lock-up that he used to go and make those videos in. And when Dennis passed away, of course, the house got sold on. I don't know if it was a council... It may have been a council house. So it got new tenants in. So he wasn't allowed to go... And perform anywhere, yeah. and there, there is um, an example of um, um, resilience, right? And and b- b- picking yourself up and dusting yourself down. He lost his place and he was heartbroken, so he reinvented the act and took it to comedy clubs. And I mean, imagine you, you've you've paid to go to a comedy club, and then and then Jim rocks up. Yeah, but you can't watch that and not smile. Oh, exactly, and it's brilliant. And this is why I I, I don't like evenings where it's. 10 stand-ups. Oh, 10 people with, with microphone coming out and doing the thing. I like, this is why I've always liked variety nights where it's, it's you know, a couple of stand-ups. Yeah, definitely put a couple of stand-ups in there, please. But 10 in a row? Mm. I've been to nights where, open mic nights where it's 20 stand-ups. And by stand-up number 16, you've lost the will to live. But if you have a stand-up followed by a dancer, followed by a magician, followed by a short film, followed by someone pushing a wheelbarrow across the stage, that's genuinely one of the acts. <laughs> That's all. That's the only one I'm going to reveal. If you then, then it becomes something special. And what's nice about this night, and this is what we need to stress on the night, and I think people who've bought tickets will get it because it's our listeners who've bought tickets, is that this is uh, not all of the acts are going to work. No, they're not the hours. Well, no, a lot of the acts aren't going to work. A lot of people haven't done this before. They just want to try it, and that's great. It's going to be a nice, supportive environment where the audience want, wants everyone to do. Well, you know, and, and it, just, it would just be a nice... So really, evening. it's just people's party pieces, and you wouldn't judge them if you were... Well, you might, if you're at that. Well, All right, you, well, you, you, you know, might do. It's like a family thing, and people get up and do their thing, and everyone yeah. is nice about and it. And this is why I, I don't... I, you know, 15 minutes is a long time if you're being met with silence. Yeah. And I've, I've been there, and I've done it. 15 minutes is a long old time to fill, which is why I'm, I'm saying to people I want... Between sort of eight and twelve minutes, really, I think is is kind of the perfect, and it can't just be two minutes. Anyway, we're coming to the end of the show, but if you want to buy tickets for the December the eleventh, you can ticketsource.co.uk slash ian dash lee. Uh, if you want to be an act or considered to be an act for the Christmas special, uh, ian at ianlee dot com. The weirder the special, the, 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 the weirder the better. Stand up and singers, do get in touch because we will need some of you. But if there is something bizarre and odd uh, um, about your act, then you will jump straight to the I front. I can do you. Muppet Arms. I could do that. You're doing it now. Maybe not 15 minutes. Tiny, tiny. Do you want to see it? Yeah, go on. Uh-uh. You always remember, you've got five seconds. 15 minutes of that, I'll pay top dollar. <laughs> That's it. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, Catherine. Back tonight at 10. Bye bye.
Talk Radio. Intelligent, organic entertainment. Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. 